1: Thank you.
4: See, this the difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your
5: eyeballs home. You dig? Friday, April 15, 2022. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network Uh, in California. A 54-year-old black grandmother shot at more than 30 times by a Stockton police officer killing her. The family says that even though she was suspected backing her car into a cop's car, she was unarmed and never threatened the officer. Family says the force officer used was excessive. I'll be talking with the family attorney about this shooting and again, it is uh, truly shocking tonight. We will look at the successes of the Department of Justice's civil rights division under Kristen Clark's leadership. Doesn't get a lot of attention from the White House, but they have had one heck of a week. Again, defending civil rights and putting people in jail for violating those rights. The Biden Harris administration releases its plans to advance equity and racial justice across the federal government. We'll take a look at which plans will benefit African Americans. Louisville cop who shot and killed Breonna Taylor in 2020 is trying to get his job back again. A black Texas math teacher has figured out a way to help students uh, grasp mathematical concepts. We'll talk with him in our Education Matters segment. Also, today is Jackie Robinson Day all across the Major League Baseball. I'm Reppin' 42 of the Dodgers. We'll talk with the leader of the Jackie Robinson Foundation about their work and also get an update when the Jack Robinson Museum will be opening in New York City. And the white Republican in Loudoun County, Virginia, who went after the Deltas, oh, about an hour ago, he issued an apology. I warned, we tried to tell you. Scott, I warned your ass leave them Deltas alone, but you hard-headed. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, let's go. He's
6: got it
7: Whatever the miss, he's on it Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time And it's rolling Best believe he's knowing Putting it down from sports to news to politics
5: Folks, we're off to talk about the countless murders of black men by police in this country. Today, we will say her name. That is Tracy Gaeta. In February, the 54-year-old California grandmother was shot and killed by a Stockton police officer after, after her car bumped into his. As she was shot, he fired 30 shots into her vehicle. What in the world happened to cause that level of force to be used against her. Joining us now as the family attorney, Angelina Austin. Uh, Angelina, glad to have you here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. So, okay, this happened in February. So walk us through what happened to cause this cop to fire 30 shots into her vehicle.
8: Well, thank you very much for having me, Roland. And first of all, I'd like to say that that is the question. Uh, The family still does not know. Two months later, we do not have these answers. It's something that my firm has been working very diligently to ascertain. We've sent numerous requests to the police department. And in response, we received this public relations piece that many of you may have seen.
5: So what happened on that day? What time of day was it? Was there an altercation? Uh, where was she going? So, so what happened?
8: What we do know is that on February 22nd of this year, at about 2 p.m., Tracy Gaeta was driving through Stockton, California. She was involved in a fender bender or some kind of motor vehicle accident uh, with a police officer.
5: Okay. From that- so what was- so what so uh, what's one second? So was a police officer driving a motorcycle? Were they driving a car? What was the what was the cop driving?
8: He was in a police cruiser.
5: Okay, a police cruiser. So it was a fender bender. Did she did she hit him from behind? Was she like so what what type of you know what what did he, did she hit him hard? I mean what was it so you know what kind of accident was it?
8: I would say it's a very minor accident. She was going very slow. It's very hard to tell from the footage that we received. But she starts from a completely stopped position uh, before she proceeds, and I would say maybe taps the police vehicle. The police or street camera footage shows that perhaps she was moving in a forward direction and may have been trying to squeeze between two cars. We're not really sure. But the vehicle was moving at a very slow pace, a very slow pace, when the contact was made with the police cruiser.
5: All right, so folks, I want y'all to start the, back the video up, please. Uh, I want you to go back to uh, the beginning. Um, and um, Angeline, if you can just, because I, 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 I'm, I'm, this is, a, this, is this the video that police released? Video we're yes, showing sir. here. Okay, all right. So, um, so guys, go ahead, play. Folks, play the video right now. So, what what are we seeing here? So, this is is that her car?
8: Yes, that is Miss Gata's vehicle. It is registered in her name. As you can see, she stopped for a moment, and now she's pulling up again. And right there is the tap that occurs.
5: Okay, so.
8: This is the beginning
5: of the incident. So his car, the cop's car's on the left. is another car that's, she's in between two cars. Correct. OK, so y'all still playing the video, right? Guys, keep, don't keep rolling the video, please. So all right, yep. so, so, th- so they add at a red light. Uh, right. So freeze the video. So he said, someone just 901 me, something like that. And then, so she backs up, roll the video guys, roll the video, so she backs up and she goes around. Okay, right. then she goes right. The police cruiser, so at this point, the police cruiser goes in front of this white car and then goes. So then she makes a U-turn, is that what happens here?
8: Absolutely, she makes a U-turn and comes back down the street. And you can see a second police cruiser right. joining at this point. And so in a moment, you'll be able to see Ms. Gata's vehicle. And she's driving. Uh, the police are pursuing. So she's driving down the
5: road here. So this is another... An- this So, okay, so she's driving down the vehicle. Okay.
8: Correct. So she's about... Uh, a minute has passed now since the first clip where she tapped the officer's vehicle. We're now at 2.09 p.m. Uh, the initial contact was 2.08 So at 2.09 p.m., you can see that there's a speed limit sign posted there saying that the speed limit is 50 miles an hour. She's going through the red light, and another officer radios in that he's uh, spotted her vehicle.
5: All right. So we have that. Have they released any dash cam footage, uh, uh, body cam footage of the shooting?
8: Yes, they have. Uh, this video continues on, and it does show the point of view from the officer's body camera.
5: OK, so let's so let's do this here. So OK, folks, uh, roll that. Come on, roll the video. Thank you. So this is the body cam footage of the police officer right here. So he Correct. gets out. OK, so. If I could
8: pause you quickly, Roland. Free,
5: go ahead. Feet.
8: So he gets out of the vehicle immediately with his gun drawn. Immediately.
5: Right, all right. I, yeah, I I saw that. Now, go r- back to the beginning of the video because I'm trying to understand. So, I guess her car is stopped. Go, go back roll the video back, folks. Now, pre- press play. So, okay, he throws his car in park. He gets out. She backs up down. Does she ram his car? Okay, he says, "Now uh he's ramming me." And then he just begins to unload into the car.
8: Correct. So, you know, the term ramming is an
5: officer's Not, term. No, 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 one second. So first, 19 shots fired. Then he pulls the clip out and fires more shots into the car. OK, so folks, yes. do this here. I want y'all to back the video up. I, I, want y- I want y'all to back the video up, please. I want you to back the video up. Again, rewind the video, please. Thank you. Bring it back, because I want to go back to the beginning of the video here. Um, and so press play. So he throws it in part. She's in front. She, she backs, backs into him. He then, that's when he then, he comes out firing. Ninth, audio up, please. So I, 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 so I take it when, she, when her car then became sideways, and he fired those shots into the car, it was one of those shots that actually, uh, was uh, was a fatal shot.
8: That is correct. The family has had a private autopsy performed on Tracy Gata, and that is what our autopsy results reveal.
5: Uh, how many times was she hit?
8: I can't relay that information at this time, but multiple times.
5: Was. Again, I, I go back to the beginning of the video. She tries to slide between two cars and she backs up. Guys, not this beginning, actually, yeah. And then she backs up and she goes around. Uh, just look at the video. She's in a hurry or she's in distress or something along those lines. Um, has the family said anything? Was, she, was there an emergency? Was, was, it, was there a health issue? Because, again, when you look at that, clearly she's in a rush And even when... when, Because one of the cops said she blew through a red light. Can you shed any light on on what was going on?
8: Well, initially, we don't know what was happening with Miss Gata. She's not from Stockton. She's actually from Sacramento, which is about 50 miles away. Not too far, uh, but far enough for it to be possibly outside of her usual zone of travel for, you know, errands, let's say. So we're not sure why she was in Stockton. She doesn't have family there. She didn't have work in the area. Uh, In terms of what the officer said about her blowing through the stoplight, that was after this initial interaction, where, of course, at this point, she was most likely very afraid and was fleeing.
5: Yeah, that is, uh, I mean, certainly um, uh, is um, certainly sad to see here. Uh, So you said an autopsy has been done. Uh, So what is the next steps uh, for you and the family?
8: Right Now, we're still working to get information from Stockton PD for the family. As anyone who has lost a loved one knows, um, when it happens suddenly, it's so traumatic. You have so many questions. And it's compounded in this case because Miss Gata was murdered. She was killed at the age of 54 years old, no criminal record, no past history of violence. For the family, uh, Alex Gata, her son, has said that this feels like something out of a movie, that he just can't believe it's going on. And all that they're getting from Stockton PD is this very tailored PR piece, which is clearly trying to push the police officer's narrative.
5: Um, Indeed. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on uh, to give us this perspective, and uh, we'll certainly see uh, what happens next uh, with the direction of this story. Uh, Thank you so very much uh, for being with us. Um, Folks, I want to go to... um, All right, next story. This is a man that was uh, certainly a man, so sad there. Uh, And that is this here. Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division, they've been extremely active in pursuing and convicting offendees who have committed hate crimes all across the country. Under the leadership of Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark. Folks, here's some of the recent victories. When I say recent, I'm talking about just this week. In Oklahoma. A federal jury convicted a former K-County, Oklahoma, uh, supervisory corrections officer for violating the civil rights of three pretrial detainees held at the K-County Detention Center in Alabama. A former Alabama Department of Corrections sergeant was sentenced to 30 months of imprisonment in federal court uh, for uh, his action, pleading guilty to assaulting two inmates uh, at the ADOC uh, correctional facility in Tennessee a former supervisory corrections officer uh, pleaded guilty to two civil rights offenses uh, will, Of course charged with a one count of deprivation of rights under the color of law for using unlawful force on an inmate one count of being deliberately indifferent to the inmates medical needs in Washington state a man pleaded guilty to hate crimes and false statement charges. Uh, he pleaded guilty to one crime of uh, to one crime of committing a hate crime for his participation in the assault of a black man based on his race in Kentucky. A former captain with the Madison County Detention Center pleaded guilty to using unreasonable force against a detainee in Illinois. Two men were sentenced to 190 months and 170 months in prison, respectively, for their roles in the 2017 bombing. Of an Islamic center in Bloomington, Minnesota, in South Carolina, the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of South Carolina filed a complaint, raid, uh, a complaint, and a settlement agreement with the South Carolina Department of Juvenile Justice to resolve its. Broad River Road Complex Investigation in Columbia, South Carolina. In Massachusetts, the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division and the U.S. uh, US Office of the the District of Massachusetts filed a complaint and a proposed consent decree with the city of Springfield, Massachusetts to resolve its investigation of the Springfield Police Department's Narcotics Bureau. Now, one of the things that's interesting in one of those cases, one of the jails officials actually put black inmates in the same cell with white supremacists, leading to a vicious beating of the black inmate. You look at a number of those cases. They dealt with prisons and corrections departments. I'm going to bring in my panel right now uh, to talk about this because uh, I dare say uh, the White House has not done an effective job or a good enough job communicating what what the Civil Rights Division is doing. And this shows you the difference, as I always say, when it comes to voting, who's in charge, who is able uh, to be uh, leading uh, the Department of Justice. It's a whole different deal when you have a Democrat involved versus uh, a Republican. Matt Manning, civil rights attorney, joins us right now. Also, Michael Impotep host of African History Network. Caleb Bavia, uh communications strategist. Glad to have all three of you here. Matt, I want to start with you. Again, as I walked through, n- nearly all of those was in, just in the past week. I don't understand why the White House isn't touting this. This is what happens when you have a strong civil rights division in the Department of Justice. What Christian Clark and what they are doing in the DOJ, they are letting it be known. You in one of these states, you act a fool, DOJ is going to deal with you. US U.S. attorneys are going to deal with you. Absolutely. And they need to do a better job of letting the
9: people know what they're doing. Um, The reason this is so important is these are criminal prosecutions of the same kinds of cases that I bring as a civil lawyer, which we know are very difficult for plaintiffs to prevail, but the law is almost exactly the same. And getting a conviction against a correctional officer or a police officer or concluding a patterns and practice investigation on an entire department is really an amazing thing, considering, one, the national zeitgeist is this conversation about civil rights, number one, but, number two, how hard it is for a plaintiff to prevail in these cases if they're brought as a civil matter. So uh, the Department of Justice is doing extraordinary work. And what's really um, interesting as well is a lot of those cases span the gamut of constitutional issues. They're not just excessive force issues. Um, There are also religious issues, obviously. There are issues as it relates to juvenile justice and the safety of juvenile inmates. Um, So they really have done great work across the board and across the United States in a a difficult area to practice, but in one that they are clearly excelling. So I hope going forward, the White House makes it clear to the the people just how difficult those cases are and just how good a job Ms. Clark and her team are doing.
5: Um, Kelly, for instance, in in the case in Oklahoma, that was one that, that really stood out. Uh, because what you had there is, I mean, you you had this... Not only did this um, uh, corrections officer put black inmates in a cell with white supremacists, also ordered the abuse of other inmates. That corrections officer is now about to be be behind bars himself.
10: I mean, talk about poetic justice, right? Who knows what's going to happen to him, and not that I care. But uh, just to piggyback off of what Matt was saying, I'm actually surprised that this is a, a, an undercover story or underground story, something that we would not have known about if it were not for your show. These are the kind of things that, frankly, Biden built his platform on in order to get Black votes. And these are huge wins when it comes to uh, the perception of protecting the Black community under your administration. And the only thing we're hearing out of Biden's mouth right now is about Ukraine. That...
5: Wait, hold up. Ukraine or fund the police?
10: Either Something that does not garner black voters. Anything that does not gu- garner black voters, right? So it's one of those things where... It... <sighs> the, I don't know if it's the communications team or a decision of from Biden himself regarding what exactly makes the news cycle and makes sure that, you know, he gets his approval... Uh, numbers up and making sure that the American people has his back uh, for a re-election because, allegedly, that's what he's vying for right now. Um, And we're in an election year right now for, you know, House and Senate and other uh, local seats. I mean, this is not a good look for you to have all these wins under your belt and no one's going to notice. This is not something that people are just going to find out through osmosis or through Twitter or anything like that. You... Uh, President Biden. You have to tell us, because otherwise we're we are so inundated and oversaturated with information, specifically information not pertaining to us, the Black community, to the point where we feel neglected by your administration because you're not even talking about the stuff that you've done for us. So it's a disservice to you as the administration, it's a disservice to us as the the body that got you into the White House in the first place. So something needs to shake up there to make sure that we know exactly what's going on that actually benefits us.
5: Uh, it, it, it's crazy, Michael. Again, as 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 I I mean, I'm, I was going through all of these uh, cases, and again, these are convictions. I mean, these are convictions. Uh, the consent decree in Massachusetts. I mean, that that that's a major deal as well. Uh, and I'm just sitting here going, if 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 you're Jen Psaki, you're at that podium. I know Department of Justice. They have their home. They have their own um, uh, communications staff. Frankly, and let's just be let's just be real honest. Okay, they don't. Their news conferences don't get covered the same way. They don't. Doesn't get the same level of attention. But if I'm the White House, this is what the hell I'm touting. I mean, I'm. What I just did was what they can easily do. This. 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 I mean, I'm. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here going through. I'm literally sitting here. uh, You know, again, looking at what they did. Looking at. Um, uh, uh, you know, looking at the wins and this is how you make the case folks, you voted for Biden, you voted for Harris this is the difference between a Biden-Harris Department of Justice and a Donald Trump-Mike Pence Department of Justice and then what you say is we are not going to allow people who are responsible for overseeing inmates to abuse them, to
0: beat them to to neglect them, that is simply wrong.
1: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more.
5: It's sitting right here. What the hell are they doing?
1: <laughs> they
4: have a they have a pure, a poor communications team rolling. And I went through, I was reading a lot of these, but I, you know, a lot of things like this I deal with on the African History Network show, okay? And April 1st, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Greenville, Mississippi to talk about investments in underserved populations and talk about community lenders and things like this. They got very little coverage in mainstream media. I talked when I talked about it on my show a couple of days ago, my viewers and listeners would say they didn't know this took place. Okay? And it, now the other thing that this show's is rolling is the importance of responsible black media I'm saying responsible black media for a reason, because there's a lot of be almost because a lot of BS out there. that's not responsible black media to inform our people about these things that are going on. But the Biden-Harris administration, their communications team, they really have to understand communicating these wins like this. the the the, the, the um, consent decree is important because under the Trump administration, four years and two attorney generals, there was only one consent decree, only one consent decree. Whereas under two terms of uh, President Obama and his attorney generals, there's about 24, 25, oh, sorry. There's about 24, 25 investigations into police departments, about 14, 15 consent decrees. Here you have uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, who started the investigations into the uh, police departments again, patterns and practices, uh, investigations. And they've entered into a consent decree right here with uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. So this is important. Uh, but this is one of the reasons why black-owned media and responsible black media is so important as well. Uh, but the other thing, you know, lastly, Roland, when you are so busy doing the work, a lot of times, and good work, a lot of times you think people are paying attention, but they have to realize you're dealing with also a dumbed-down electorate as well. Yep. So you got to educate them on what's going on.
5: Well, again, he- 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 here's the deal, okay? Um, I-, I, see the, I-, I see some of the press releases... That come from the Department of Justice Um, and uh, and so you see them but again what people have to understand in this in this city Washington DC if it ain't coming from the White House podium frankly they're not paying any attention to it and so what the White House should be doing what their strategy should be their strategy should be incorporating what Christian Clark what DOJ, what Vanita Gupta, what Merrick Garland, what DOJ is doing, and now what you're doing is you're crafting a narrative. Right. You're, you're building a narrative. You literally do just what I did. You literally stand at that podium, and you say, "You say, we the American people need to understand we are hard at work protecting them. Yes, we are. You can be Biden." And you want to sit here and talk about funding cops, fine. But what you also have got to say, President Joe Biden, is that your DOJ is also holding cops accountable who do wrong. So Biden needs to be talking about this consent decree in Massachusetts. Biden needs to be talking about how this corrections officer is going to prison, and this one. And he should be standing at the podium himself saying, To every state in the country, if you have corrections departments that are abusing prisoners and you have wrongdoing going on, my Department of Justice is going to investigate, we are going to indict, we are going to prosecute, and we are going to put you in jail. Every American, whether they're sitting in jail or not, deserves their civil rights. how you make an emphatic statement, and you got the wins to back it up, Matt. That's the other deal. This is not you just making a statement and you don't actually have it. You have the wins to back it up. They have to create the narrative so the public is like, wow, those things are happening? I had no idea.
9: Yep, and this is the national conversation right now, so I don't understand how they aren't leveraging it. This is what, I mean, every show that we come on, every Friday, we talk about another person who was shot and killed by a police officer. So I think it's, it's uh, derelict not to address it, particularly when you're winning, you're winning cases, when you have a team of lawyers that are going in, uh, climbing up you know, Mount Everest in some of these cases and convicting police officers, which is not always an easy thing to do. They need to be really displaying that, especially because the whole country is talking about such issues right now.
5: Uh, absolutely, and and it's, it's understanding the moment. It's it's recentering right. uh, the conversation. The George Floyd Justice Act did not get passed. Got Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott uh, sitting here doing it. I hit the White House last week. They said they're they they're they're at work, hard working, trying uh, on these consent decrees. Excuse me, on these executive orders. Executive orders, right? Um, still waiting. Okay, okay, I got it. Let me know when y'all get around to them. But again, when you're out, because remember, this is the other key, Kelly. Republicans gave Kristen Clark a lot of hell during her confirmation hearings. And this is why. This is why Republicans did not want a strong Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. When you have Republican presidents, the weakest department in DOJ is the Civil Rights Division. They don't care. And literally, Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr said... I mean, we got video of a Bill uh, Sessions saying we're going to pull back on consent decrees because, ooh, it's hurting the feelings of so... It's hurting the morale of so many cops. Right.
10: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But what makes even less sense is, you know, just to echo the sentiments of everybody on the panel... But to add another layer to this, Biden spent his entire campaign basically touting the notion that he is going to craft a cabinet that looks like this country. That includes Black women, white women, Hispanics, Asians, what have you. And you finally have it and you're not leveraging it to your benefit to make sure that we know what you're doing. Like you said, this is one of the best records for the DOJ Civil Rights Division, and we know nothing about it, and
5: not to... And, 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 and much- Kelly, 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 I'm going you finish. I didn't recite the last 15 months. Mm-hmm. I recited the last two weeks. Exactly.
10: Exactly, and that's my point, and not to read too much into it, but it feels like one of those situations in which you expect Black women to excel, and therefore you're not going to to, to uh, brag about it, so to speak. You're not going to promote said excellence. You are going to simply expect it and to do a more, uh, expect her to do above and beyond even the excellence that she is doing. And I feel like that is a reflection on how Black women in the workplace have been treated by white men. You expect us to excel. You expect us to basically receive half the resources and then produce three times the product. And that's exactly what Clark has been doing for the past 15 months, let alone the last two weeks, like you said. I can't think of a time where someone did this much in two weeks in the, in the DOJ. Yeah. I and, mean,
5: can you? And, and Michael, it's, it's not just not Christian Clark. It's, it, it's a bunch of lawyers. Don't nobody know their names. They, right. they are career lawyers. Uh, it's not just DOJ lawyers. It's U.S. attorneys around the country. That Massachusetts consent decree, mm-hmm. that U.S. attorney there, that's the black woman who was the D.A. in Boston. Right. See, again, R- Biden White House, your approval ratings are down. Mm-hmm. You need black people. I'm just saying. But he's doing it to all the black women
10: in his cabinet. Like, we don't hear anything about HUD. I'm sure they're doing great.
5: Well, first of all, first of all, this week, I mean, right, uh, Secretary Marsha Fudge, uh, she hired an equity czar touting that. I'm just, the thing thing here is it's called narrative. It's called establishing and building a narrative. And it's saying you voted for us to do this we are doing what we said we were going to do. And I'm just simply saying, you, they should they should be touting. And, and here's what happened, yes. Michaels. And, and we, we've, we've streamed the videos, okay? Kristen Clark, Vanita Gupta, Merrick Garland, they go down to cap- Capitol Hill. Ain't nobody watching those hearings. Mm-hmm. They're not watching those right. hearings. I mean, we, right. we, we, we've streamed them. Like, look, y- yesterday, okay? I- I'm going to check right now. The, the, the White House had... Uh, had a uh, uh, they had a session on equity. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to talk about that uh, in a second. But I'm just going to check right now. Let me just see, okay? Video, let's see here. Okay. All right, let's see here. All right, I'm looking for the... So, okay, perfect example. The White House had... White House convening on equity. Y'all, I, I just want to put this in perspective, y'all. The White House has point. 95 million subscribers. Whitehouse.gov on White House on. No, YouTube. no, no. White House YouTube channel. Right, exactly. You're right. White right. House. 1.95 million. Mm-hmm. They had 2,700 views for <laughs> 2,700 for their equity session. 2,700 views. Um, I'm looking here, and I know I know we did it as well. I'm looking here, Keenan. Uh, let me know, cause I know I know I said to stream it. I know we did it. So I'm looking on here. I, I just want to be curious to see, uh, Keenan. Send me a, uh, in group me, Send me a t- or a text uh, how many views we had. But but the, but the point I'm making here is, they're not watching hearings. You have to utilize the bully pulpit. You have to do that when when you're th- when you're there uh, speaking on these about, about these very issues. I just don't understand uh, why uh, why they are not creating the narrative. That that makes no sense to me.
4: You got yeah, wins. You know, uh, you know, rolling So I'm, I'm on the White House's YouTube channel every day, and some of the segments, especially when Vice President Kamala Harris is uh, speaking and things like this, I'll show this. I'll show that on my show because. D- that information is not getting to our people, okay? She just did, you know, Recy Colbert just wrote an article for EU uh, EUR Web uh, dealing with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's uh, Black Maternal Health um, uh, Summit or uh, conference that she just had, okay? I didn't see that on MSNBC, okay? I've seen very little, I've seen very little about that except for uh, I follow uh, Black Women Views on Instagram and I saw Recy's post about her article. When you look at what the White House just released yesterday on uh, on uh, their, their actions on racial equity, I did not see that on MSNBC yesterday, okay? Hell no. So it's, it, so, so there's a huge problem with... They're, they're doing a lot of good work. It's not being messaged so that people know it, especially African Americans know it. So they, they need to bring more people on Roller Martin Unfiltered. They need to to hire some uh, uh, social media experts, especially African-American social media experts, to get this information to our people. If you gotta do TikTok videos, well, do TikTok videos. Uh, I know I follow Vice President Kamala Harris on Instagram, VP on Instagram. She'll put short videos and disseminate some of this information there, but this is not getting out
5: like it should. Well, in, in fact, in fact, I-, I literally just, like, literally, I like literally just got an email from Olivia Roberts with the Department mm-hmm. of Justice. Every week they send out, I get an email, which is a recap. Uh, Matt, um, here's one that, again, I I'm just saying you might want to tell, especially black people, uh, on Wednesday, go, go go to my iPad on Wednesday. The Justice Department announced that it has reached an agreement to settle claims in four civil cases arising from the June 1st, 2020, law enforcement response to racial justice demonstrations in Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. As part of the settlement, the United States Park Police and the United States Secret Service agreed to update and clarify their policies governing demonstrations and to implement the policy changes within 30 days of today's settlement. Within the 30 days, the Secret Service will amend its policies to provide that the fact that some demonstrators have engaged in unlawful conduct does not ordinarily provide blanket grounds for use of force, crowd dispersal, or declaration of unlawfully assembly. Okay. That's a big deal. We saw in 2020 when Donald Trump, that thug in chief, Mm -hmm. ordered... Ordered federal law enforcement to clear people out of the way so he can go stand in front of uh, the, the church with the Bible upside down. This was a major deal. Okay, now somebody might say, "Well, you should be playing politics." Well, if I'm the if I'm the Biden White House, I'm taking a hit against Trump and his thugs and saying this is what we put in place. I'm just saying. And again, I appreciate the email. Thank you very much, Olivia, for sending me the email. But from a narrative standpoint, this is the thing that you and all of a sudden, folks go, wow, I didn't realize that Biden is checking law enforcement saying y'all can't just do whatever you want to do. And what you're also doing, you're checking Trump in the process. But if nobody ever knows, when a tree falls in the forest, who the hell heard it?
9: But isn't that part of the hustle, Roland, is that they're also trying to dial back that defund narrative, that they're concerned about, I guess, losing moderates and other people in this upcoming election, so maybe they're not promoting it because they want to try to toe the line between actually having civil rights wins but not angering law enforcement and people who are law enforcement-aligned? Well, Um, that's dumb.
5: That's That's dumb. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you only tout fund the police, you're pissing off the folks who were in the streets. But if you champion your resources, but you also say we're holding accountable, what you're really saying to everybody is, well, like my philosophy, if you, do, if you do good, I'll talk about you. If you do bad, I'll talk about you. At the end of the day, I'll talk about you. You're actually appealing right. uh, to both groups there. And so it, it's just, again, it's, it's understanding how to talk to people, how to communicate to people. And I, I'm just simply saying, hey, if you're in the White House, okay. Ron Klain, Chief of Staff. Yeah. Susan <laughs> Rice, mm-hmm. Cedric, Jen Saki Kareem. I can go down line. Right. Y'all should be, this ain't hard. Like, right. it took me 60 seconds to go, hey, this is last night, tomorrow's show. We're going to do a whole segment on the wins of the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division this week. Jen Psaki could do the exact same thing from the podium. And you know what Mm. you then do? To further heighten it, you invite Kristen Clark down to the White House and have her speak from the podium for five to eight minutes and take a few questions. What you do is you center the conversation And then when you center the conversation, it's now going to get picked up by other mainstream media about how, and it's going to show the contrast. Because see, again, there are stories that come out of that that go beyond just your news conference. So the whole point is you're showing the contrast between a Biden-Harris DOJ and a Trump-Pence DOJ. And then what you're saying is to the voters... This is why you voted for us versus these folks. Mm -hmm. You don't simply allow it in press releases. No, you amplify it. You elevate it. And if I looked, I guarantee you, if I looked, I guarantee you, I probably haven't seen any tweets, any posts, any of this stuff, on the POTUS account, on the Biden account, on the VP account, on the Kamala Harris account. Y'all, this ain't hard. And you don't have to do it every single day. But when you... First rule of politics. And you know what? He's an asshole. He's a liar. He's an evil son of a bitch. But you know what? That fool Donald Trump took credit for every damn thing. Hey, Biden-Harris, learn to take credit. When you have a victory, run a victory lap. You know when somebody win a race at the Olympics, they don't go, uh, and they go sit down. Hell no, they go run to the stand, get their flag, put it behind them, and they run around the stadium, and they soak in the like, adela- That's what you have to do. And if you do more of that, then maybe your poll number is not in the low 30s or the 40s. Right. Because now you're telling people. In fact, on, on that particular point, yesterday, yesterday,
0: <sighs> OK.
5: Biden yeah. yesterday goes to North Carolina ANT, mm-hmm. and he gives a speech talking about equity. And I saw some of these, I mean, this is, this is tied to what I'm talking about with the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. And I see all these people, I see all these people uh, talking about um, some students. If he ain't coming here saying uh, he's getting rid of student debt and he don't need to be here. First of all, $20 billion in student debt that's been canceled by Biden Harris. Yeah. Now, Kelly, somebody out there might say, yeah, we should be more, but let's not act like $20 billion ain't nothing. That's right. first. I broke down the numbers of HBCU funding There are only four other colleges that got more federal money, money in the last two years than North Carolina A&T. Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Florida A&M, and Texas Other University. North Carolina A&T got $188 million in federal funding. I'm just saying, A&T students, I don't know what the hell y'all bitching about. <laughs> but, but here's the question. Did Biden tell them what they done for North Carolina anti Exactly. That's See, right. Exactly what I was gonna say. You can't just think everybody know. Right. Right. Kelly, go ahead. Right.
10: Oh. No, I mean, but how would they know? How would they know if if no one tells them? I mean. Think about how you moved as a college student. Um, how did you even get your information? I a lot of it for me was still word of mouth. It didn't matter that you had social media and this, that, and the third, and the TV in your room or whatever. You get the most important information on the yard, no matter where you, you know what kind of org you're in or whatever, or nor or no org. I wasn't in org, but like you're on the yard, and if no one tells you anything while you're out and about flourishing as a college student, you're not gonna hear about it. And it's also shocking to me that Biden was there and the university didn't even say anything. Did the university know about this stuff?
5: Well, because yeah, no, no, they I mean, know about they it. they did, but...
10: You know, surely they did. That's my point. Like, surely the university knew that they got funding from the Biden administration and before the Biden administration arrives on campus, they didn't, you know, give a memo to the students saying, hey, be on your best behavior because we got this money. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you prepare your students as well. So it, it's a, a, communic- a miscommunication on several levels, but it starts at the top. The fact that the Biden administration has not been touting their victories as well as they should be, if at all, is a problem. You know, yeah, we could talk about how uh, NCAT didn't say anything to the students, but on the macro level, the Biden administration's communications team just kind of sucks when it comes to touting victories. You have no problem talking about all the problems you got, which is low-key why your approval ratings are so low, because we feel like all you got are problems and no successes. So, And then on top of that, the voting block that actually got you into the White House, you're not touting the successes regarding the block that got you into the White House. So we feel not only like you're failing, but that we were failed. That's a problem. That can be fixed with a good communication strategy. You just got to draft it. You got to do it.
5: Uh, Indeed, in and and that's the whole deal, Michael. In fact, I'm trying to look right now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking. Try, I'm trying to look for a written copy of his speech. And we and we we stream the video. Uh, right. But um, but yeah, I White House yeah White no. Michael, really? we me gonna cuss you out. <laughs> Really?
4: Well, I don't have the connections you do, Roland. That's why I go to Trans. Really? Transfer
5: point really? You don't think that's the first damn site? Like... <laughs> I'm just asking, Roland. <laughs> Look, I'm not. I'm not a Sigma. No. <laughs> I'm just. See, asking, I knew he was
4: going there. See? I'm not a
5: Sigma. Cause... Obviously,
4: Look, that's the first, first damn. Free.
5: I was the first damn place I checked.
4: Okay, I'm just asking.
5: You may have been going through your email. No, like, no. First, first of all, white white first white. of all, Michael, Michael, let me help you out. First, first, <laughs> I checked the emails to see if there was a transcript of his speech. Second, right. I then went to WhiteHouse.gov, and then okay. I went to a third source. It ain't there, and now I'm emailing somebody from the White House. You better right. go. You better go right. ahead and make your comment, Michael. So one of the things, one of the things I, I know. leave like, me alone. At the, at the, I'm not <coughs> rolling. I'm trying to help. you, uh, you ain't trying. Oh, what's noticed I noticed wrong with you, is, Sigmas? Well, well
4: <laughs> one of the things <laughs> I this is like on the um, uh, White House's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, there's a delay in getting some of those videos up also. Some they'll stream live in, like, a Jen Psaki's press conference, White House... Uh, did well, his, his a
5: t speech is up,
4: because we streamed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, okay, we streamed okay. on the Black Star Network. Okay, but I do notice, especially, like, with Vice President Kamala Harris, things that they're not broadcasting live of her, I notice there's a delay in getting those videos up. But very quickly here, with the with the George Floyd Justice and Police Act. Uh, I think it's important to understand, and this is not me saying this. This is Senator Cory Booker. It spends millions of dollars more, or allocates millions of dollars more to police, but it does it in a responsible way. This is this is what Senator Cory Booker said about the bill, and he helped write the bill. So the the um, the the whole thing about one of the one of the problems is I think with Biden talking about funding the police, he needs to be more specific about what it is that you're funding. Because that's the same thing that the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act does, but it holds police accountable. But also, the Fraternal Order Police championed the bill, and they agree with it, and the International uh, uh, Association of Police Chiefs. They were behind the bill, and they supported the bill as well. And they said, and they both said in the joint statement, it did not defund defund the police, it supported the police even more. But it was, it worked all the way around. It supported communities. Is support the police as well. So I think this would be a good time to uh, relaunch that again in the Senate uh, and, and try to get that pushed through. It already passed the House 220 to 212, March 3rd, 2021. No Republicans voted for the bill. The one Republican that voted for the bill put out a tweet, said he made a mistake and he was going to uh, take back his vote because he wasn't trying to vote for the bill. The only people that voted for that bill were, were Democrats.
1: Live on NFL Network, ESPN Two, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit nflcom release to learn more. Text, but
5: no, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm looking at the text right now, and I'm actually, I'm actually, I, I, I'm so pissed off reading it. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, okay, a, let me just, let me just. Were you at C-SPAN? No, no. Oh. I, let, let, don't assault
4: Roland's no, intelligence like that.
5: I, I, oh, no. I, I need I need everybody listening to me to understand, and, I, and I'm gonna show y'all in a minute why. You know, I get frustrated too. You know when 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 then Senator Kamala Harris went to the debate at Texas Southern University in Houston. <clears throat> um, someone asked me. What, what what should she do when when she when to open up to to you know she's an HBCU graduate Howard University to set the stage. This is what I said. This this rolling, this just rolling. I said if I was if I was sitting to Kamala Harris and they introduced me and I would say um, first and foremost this bison is happy to be back in the midst of tigers. One, you establish an off the top. I'm the only one up here on the stage who's an HBCU graduate, and we're on an HBCU. Then I would have said, uh, before I give my opening comments, I would be remiss if I did not pay homage to two of the greatest members of Congress in American history, who are proud graduates of this institution. America is thankful for the service of the late Congresswoman Barbara Jordan and Mickey Leland. The room would have erupted. You would have controlled the room from the jump. She ain't do that. Y'all go look at the video. She said, glad to be here, and she launched right in her comments. I was like, I don't understand what that was all about. But I want everybody watching, I want everybody listening to me, because I want to show you something. I want to show you something. I want to show you a missed moment that happens a lot that people don't understand. Y'all, I give lots of speeches, and I'm always cognizant of something specific that serves as um, uh, uh, something that's enticing to the audience. Specificity is always important. So go to my. So th- this is the speech. and <clears throat> President Biden, he's talking about how impressive the campus is. It's good to be here at a He's talking about, he mentions the mayor. He mentions Congressman G.K. Butterfield. He mentions, his, mentions Congresswoman Alma Adams. Talks about her hard work for HBCUs. He mentions, he mentions Governor Roy uh, Cook. He goes through and he's talking about all of this. He's talking about the vice president being a Howard graduate. He's talking yeah. about Cedric Richmond being a Morehouse man. He's talking about, he always got to throw in Delaware State, been an HBCU. He talks about, again, uh, Delaware has the eighth largest black population in America. He talks about the members of his cabinet, the first black man to run the EPA, Michael Regan. He's a North Carolina A&T graduate. He's a proud Aggie. Now keep going. Y'all see him A&T, more than 180 years of excellence. Your chancellor, professor's doing great. Then he goes into how he reestablished the president's board of advisors on HBCUs. Has two North Carolina a and alums on it. Applause. Great. Mentions that, uh, he mentions Chris Paul being on, on the committee. Great. Okay, okay. Watch this, y'all. Right here. This is where somebody on the White House staff, how in the hell you didn't see this? And speaking of funding, we were able to deliver more than $5 billion last year to HBCUs and more to come this year, $5 billion. It, they said we couldn't do it, but everybody has realized what an incredible asset the HBCUs are. He goes on to talk about pale, increased Pell Grants to help millions of black students and lower-income families attend community colleges and four-year schools. And he's going on talking about I'm here today to talk about my plan to create and expand HBCU programs. Y'all, l- listen to me. If you are talking at North Carolina, come on, what? One move. Thank you. Y'all, t- y'all slow the camera. If you are talking to North Carolina A&T and you are talking about HBCU-funded, and you say how we have delivered $5 billion to HBCUs, don't you think somewhere in there you might want to say how much you sent to a and Yes.
4: Yep.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Michael, why? Are... I'm just saying. Do y'all, y'all got the doggone spreadsheet if you gonna stand that, see this is how you shut down your critics you shut down your critics who always run in their mouths when you're able to provide see and I know some of y'all saying y'all rolling it ain't that big of a deal it is because what you're doing is You are showing you're not talking in general. See, let me tell y'all when you're giving a speech. If I gave money to Matt's school, Michael's school, but I ain't giving money to Kelly's school. Well, if I was talking to Matt, Michael, and Kelly, I'm going to say, boy, look how I supported Colleges and universities. Now, I know I ain't giving money to Kelly's school, so I ain't gonna say, well, I gave money to Matt's school and Michael's school, and then Kelly'll be like, well, shit, he ain't give my school no money. So, I'm gonna be general. But but if I've given money to Matt, Michael, and Kelly, well, guess what? I'm gonna be specific. Especially if I'm at Kelly's school. Y'all, This right here is the spreadsheet of funding. See North Carolina AT? $14.1 million, $28.1 million, $22.8 million, $30.3 million, $40 million, $53 million, a total. North Carolina AT received a total of $188,594,676. Y'all, how you not say that at a and I know some of y'all say, yo, man, that's a small deal. But no, because I saw the tweets from a t students who were like, he ain't done nothing for a and or he hasn't got rid of our student loan debt. I can checkmate your ass when I say, you got this, you got this, you got this. This is y'all where b- basic messaging. This is where somebody who understands the how effective messaging is can say, "Add this line to the president's speech." Don't just say we gave five billion. First of all, this is how you do it. This is how much A and has gotten. Boom. Let, y'all, I can look at the list right here. Winston Salem State. Guess what? They got eighty-one million. You mention it. That's how you do it. So you first say, "We have given five billion dollars to HBCUs in this year alone." A&T, y'all have gotten this. Yeah, that's what. That's what you Biden. You turn to Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. You don't go general, you go specific. And so now everybody in North Carolina goes, Well, damn, hold up. Wait a minute. Where's the Salem State? They got 81 million. AT got 188. That's two schools right there, y'all. That's $264 million. Let me see here. Who else is in North Carolina? Aren't there like five HBCUs in North Carolina?
10: You got Fayetteville.
5: Yeah, I know you got Shaw. Okay, oh, let's go to Shaw. Shaw. Let's go to Shaw. Hold up. Shaw got 44 million. So we'll do the math. So 188, 81, 44. So now we are up to almost 300 million. Who else, who else in North Carolina? Is it like five? Isn't Johnson C. Smith? Johnson, uh, somebody said Johnson C. Smith. Hold up. St. Augustine's is in North Carolina. St. Augustine's got 34 million. See, so now we over 300 million. We had almost 330 million. All right. Let's see. North Carolina Central, all right. They got 126 million. Y'all, HBCUs in North Carolina damn near got five hundred million dollars. How you not say it? Why don't y'all close this out before I go to break?
4: <laughs> hey, you got that? You have to claim your wins. This is what you have to do because all the negativity is going to come your way, everything negative that happens. So when you have victories like this, you have to claim it, you have to run on it. President Barack Obama, a couple weeks ago, he said, he was asked, what do Democrats have to do to win the midterm elections? He said, you have to tell your story. You got to run on your... You don't talk about what you didn't get accomplished. You run on what you got accomplished. Most people can't name five things and build back better. Run on what you got accomplished. Run on this stuff, Department of Justice. Run on the racial equity. Run on $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan, and no Republicans in the House or Senate voted for the bill. Run on $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill. Run on Emmett Till anti-lynching bill, and and they've been trying to get that passed since 1900. Claim your wins and run on what you did, not
5: what you did not get accomplished. I don't understand. Man, let me just go to a break. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, nah, it really pisses me off.
10: It'll be all right. Adam. No,
5: no, it pisses, it, it, it pisses me off because the, the mistake that people make, to what you said earlier, Kelly, they think people already know. They don't know. 80 <laughs> to 90% of your job as president is actually building narrative.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: It ain't, no, it's actually explaining stuff. That's what it is. Obama did that crap. Oh, we assume people knew. What the hell wrong with you No, They don't. Why you think Trump took credit for a lot of stuff? He, he, Donald Trump lied so much, he took credit for a veterans bill that Obama passed and his dumbass supporters Mm -hmm. thought he did.
10: No, you're absolutely right. And just to bring it home, like you said, we are now in an era of communications and specifically politics in which politicians and the communications teams that support them cannot afford to take for granted the knowledge of the American people, meaning we have spent over almost a decade at this point being lied to on some form of level by our government. And we are now so jaded that unless you beat it into us by way of oversaturating the market, with your good news, we are not going to believe it. And we're not going to regard it. So I, I don't know what the scheme or the plan is, but you have to really put it in people's faces that that, that you're, do- you're making a win. You have wins under your belt, that you're not a failure. You're not losing anything. You actually are doing more good than harm to the American people, but the American people don't know it because what's in the market right now? Everything that you're not doing. And that's the problem, because you think that resting on your laurels and just doing the work is enough. It's not. You got to do the work and then proclaim you're doing the work and then proclaim it again and then proclaim it again until that narrative of you not doing anything is replaced by what you guys have done. And that's not what's happened yet. And that's why approval ratings are so
3: low. Hey, let
5: me tell you something. When somebody tells me, Roland, you ain't done this, and I know I have, I name check they ass until I knock (laughs) all the air out they damn body. Then I'm like, then I'm gonna pound them in they chest again. You hit them with the facts. All right, y'all, I gotta go to a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, today being Jackie Roberts today, all across Major League Baseball. Uh, the 75th anniversary of uh, the white folks, of the races, uh, let go to Jim Crow, let one brother in. That's actually what happened. That's that, that's just cut to chase, that's what happened. Uh, but remember, I told y'all before, the Major League talent was already in the Negro Leagues. That's just a fact. supports of what we do. Download the Black Star Network app. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox, Samsung Smart TV, and of course, join our Brenda Funk Fan Club. Where every dollar you give goes to support this show. P.O. Box 57196. Washington, D.C. 20037-0196. Cash app with Dallas and RM Unfiltered. Paypal's RM Unfiltered. Venmo's RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at RolandSMartin.com. Rollin' at Unfiltered.com. We'll be right back.
2: On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, you'll learn how wealth begins at home and how
10: it can set the right path and the right course.
7: Wealth building, specifically in the Black community, is about making sure that we have assets that can last beyond our lifetime. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on
2: Black Star Network.
4: Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network, every week we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Y'all know who Roland Martin is. He got the ask on, he do the news.
1: It's fancy news. Keep it rolling, right here. Rolling.
4: <laughs>
10: Roland Martin.
1: <laughs> right now.
10: You are watching Roland Martin,
2: unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really, it's Roland Martin. <laughs>
5: Today is 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. All across Major League Baseball today, uh, all Major League Baseball teams will be wearing his number 42 jersey. Uh, it was the first jersey retired by the entire league. And so on this day every year, every Major League Baseball player wears a jersey with number 42 on the back. No name on the back, just like right here. Uh, just so y'all know, <laughs> me and Spike Lee talked about that, uh, that if you see somebody wearing a, je- a jersey at 42 and they got Robinson on the back, he didn't have his name on the back. Uh, so that's why they don't call that authentic. So that's why when you look at Major League Baseball, uh, you actually see that. And so, as I told y'all yesterday, uh, Jackie Robinson was a star in the Negro League Baseball t- uh, leagues, playing for the Kansas City Monarchs. And so, he of course uh, gets signed by Branch Rickey uh, to play for the Dodgers, becoming the first African American to play. Uh, and again, I, 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 I hate to say major leagues because again, I, I, I broke it down with what that actually means. Major league stars were in the Negro leagues. I just call them the white leagues because they just had more money and bigger and better stadiums and food and travel and uniforms and stuff along those lines. But major league talent was in the Negro leagues, and so uh, I do that for a reason because uh, uh, that that doesn't disrespect. The talent that was there uh, in um, uh, there in the Negro Leagues, uh, but uh, Rachel Robinson, his. Uh widow she turns a hundred years old this year uh, she and the family have done uh, one heck of a job continuing to keep uh his legacy going uh telling the story uh it was a couple of years ago maybe it was three years ago actually it was at least three, three or four years ago when i was in new york city uh for uh the break for the uh for the breaking ground on the jackie robinson museum uh, it's located in the same building where, where the foundation uh, is I've actually spoken to uh, the foundation students before. Uh, Jackie Robinson was very much about education, about helping uh, the next generation. That's what uh, he was all about. And so uh, joining us uh, right now is someone who is quite familiar uh, with the foundation, Della Britton. She's joining us from New York City, uh, CEO of the foundation. What up,
2: Della? Hey, how you doing, Rob? You,
5: you mean you mean you mean tell me you, you're not at some game today? Uh, I just
2: uh, left. I left the Mets. The Mets left. I've done three interviews since then, so um, hopefully the day's wrapping up. Although you know the LA game, I'm not in LA. I did the New York stint. Yeah, well, with the uh, they, oh, baseball.
5: Yeah. Of course. Rachel's
2: they, in LA though. Dave and Rachel went to LA for the uh, Dodgers game. Starts at seven tonight.
5: OK, well, what I'm playing right now, folks, this is from the Associated Press. Uh, there was an unveiling of a street sign today yep, uh, right. in New York City. Um, as you'll see yep. right there, West 42nd Street, Jackie Robinson Way. Uh, there, were no- so, yeah. there were a number of Major League Baseball stars out there, uh, Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr.
1: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL. Terms and conditions apply to NFL. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more.
5: As well, I see CC Sabathia uh, right there, Mariona Mar- Mar- Rivera, Trump supporter. Uh, see him right there. Uh, listen to this. Maybe my dad would have never played. Um, maybe I would have never played. But he went through things that
4: I can't imagine what he's gone through. And I don't have to go through that because that man did it for us. Our next speaker,
3: uh, you probably saw him wear his hat backwards,
4: earring. One, two. We will
10: continue to move forward um, through the Jackie Robinson Foundation, through our family and our own legacy to ensure that the children and the next generation understand the commitment, the sacrifice he made to social change.
4: Appreciate
5: y'all joining. Thank you. Turn it back to you guys. All right. Uh, so, Della, uh, so tell us first of all for people who have no idea, tell them about the about the foundation. What y'all do?
2: Well, you've had for 50 years. Next year it'll be our 50th anniversary. of The foundation, which Rachel founded in '72, but which now has grown into 242 scholars a year that get the $30,000. Um, and the robust programming we do. But, you know, last year, you missed this one, Roland. We opened something called JRF Impact, which is a a platform that allows, I think we had 5,000 students, nearly 5,000 of 4,700 students sign up for JRF Impact last year. So now our program is reaching uh, 4,700 African-American college students across the country with our, um, it's a college success program. And then, of course, the third leg of this three-legged mission of ours is the museum, which will open, I'm pleased to announce on July 26, 2022.
5: Wow. July's, so okay. That's we're, we're
2: exhausted, but we're going to get there. And you're going to be there, right?
5: Uh, you said, hold up, July 26. See, not, now that you're telling me, because you know, I keep I, like every like six months, you get like, yo, what up, Della? What's up with the museum? So let me yeah. go, hold up. It's let, coming. July 26. Thursday
2: and then Tuesday. there's a dollar that night so you got to stay over
5: y'all have to come and stay over all right opening of I'm putting in the calendar right now opening of Jackie Robinson Museum all right I'm putting in the calendar okay all right I got it okay it's in all right good. it's on' it's on the calendar all right good 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 it'll
3: be
2: a week after Rachel's hundredth birthday
5: got it got it um talk th- t- 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 also. Um cuz I I asked you this before cuz you know I'm always I'm always about that. Uh Major League Baseball, they sell a lot of 42 jerseys, hats as well. Y'all getting some of that money, right? Yeah, and we'll be
2: selling them ourselves in the museum. Got I've got to Major League Baseball stepped up. You know, we're always we we you know, we we stay close. Um and and they've stepped up for the museum. Not to mention the Dodgers, um the Los Angeles Dodgers owned principally by uh, a fellow named Walter, uh, Mark Walter, who is the uh, CEO and founder of Guggenheim Partners. Big, big supporters. But in addition, Phil Knight, Nike, um, you know, we've gotten some very good support. The players are coming through now. CC Sabathia has been a great supporter. Um, Derek Jeter writes very big checks and is supporting the museum. So we're, you know, we're 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 um we're excited about not just opening, but the programming that that we will be allowed to do now with our own sort of in our own independent space. A lot of the things you talk about a lot, we are going to take off the gloves and really tell the story about the Negro Leagues. Tell the story about um, how Jackie not only got into major leagues, but you know, white
5: leagues. I mean, I love that. I'm not sure I could use that, but I love it. Well, I, I just, I mean, because I mean, I, I mean, the, the, I hear you. the reason I do that because uh, I, I, again, I know exactly what what has happened is. I, I'm all about narrative. And, and what, has been, what has been positioned... Because first of all, Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame, they've also changed with how they've acknowledged uh, the Negro Leagues. For a very long time, they were treated as this less than league, not as important. Now, uh, they have put the records and things in, uh, on, on par with the Major Leagues. And it's important because even just that phrase, if it, oh, oh, you—that's the major league. So y'all are really minor. And and so for the psyche of African Americans, it's important that we not just just like people say, "Ooh, uh, Josh Gibson uh, was the Black Babe Ruth." No, Josh was Gibson Josh. was. So I'm, I'm not. Josh Gibson was Josh Gibson. I'm not gonna call him the Black Babe Ruth. Hell, Babe Ruth which probably probably was a brother. Uh, no, J- Babe Ruth could have been a white Josh Gibson but 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 when we allow that to happen, what we're really always saying is we are secondary to them.
2: Absolutely. There's no qu- In fact it's pseudo league because they had a minor league too remember they fed the major league. So yeah, all these nomenclature, you know we also talk about and I know you know this because you're an avid fan, but you know Jackie was not the first. Uh, black player in in baseball, white baseball, if you will. I mean, I think that's accurate, frankly, Roland. Um, you know, there were three before Jackie who played in the 1800s. Didn't last long. One of them played for six years, but, you know, didn't last long. But so Jackie is really, you know, he broke the color barrier decades after there was then a line drawn where proactively the leagues would not let black players in.
5: Uh... So... Yeah. And know, fact,
2: there's a little more to the story than just that, you know, Jackie wasn't even the first one who played in, in, in you know, the white leagues. I, I tell you, I've got to use that now. <laughs> uh, I'm
5: going to pull up in a second is this is some video that we shot uh, from uh, the groundbreaking. Uh, so tell folks uh, just about, uh, you know, what the museum uh, is going to showcase and encompass.
4: So
2: when you walk in, the most important thing for me, for all the years that we've been, as you know, working to get this done, is for people to walk in and realize just how prolific Jackie was as, you know, a warrior in the struggle. It wasn't just baseball. He used his platform very wisely after he left baseball in 1940. Well, 1956 uh, was his last year. Beginning in 57, when he was hired by Chalk Full of Nuts because he didn't get a job in baseball, which was kind of weird since he... Showed true leadership and prowess. Um, It was bizarre that he didn't get offered a coaching position or any kind of an executive position. So he ended up getting um, a job as the vice president for human resources at Chock Full of Nuts Coffee Company, which had a majority black labor force. And it was smarter than to bring Jackie in because he could relate to that force. And he immediately, immediately, um, um, you know, compelled... The sort of philanthropic arm of Chock Full of Nuts to give back to the Black community. So Jackie, in that same year, chaired the NAACP million-dollar fundraising um, initiative, and some of that money came from Chock Full of Nuts. And he was often running. I mean, as you know, he had columns. He was, you know, the first Black syndicated columnist, um, nationally syndicated columnist in the country. Wrote often about. Um, the issues that he cared most about, which was inequality, you know, social justice, economic empowerment. So, you know, the, the, the point is that Jackie used his platform, used his athletic celebrity, if you will, to better the community, to speak up to any chance he got. You know, he got on a plane after, you know, the Birmingham bombings and, and knew that the media would follow him because of his celebrity and hoped that they would see the water hoses and the dogs and everything else that was happening down south. Um, he also, um, few you know this about Jackie, he began these sort of nationally attended um, uh, jazz concerts, and the first jazz concert raised money in 62, raised money for um, a relatively unknown young preacher down the south named Martin Luther King um, and his crusaders to uh, be able to pay bail and get out of jail. That was, you know, Jackie. They literally took a duffel bag with cash down to bail out the freedom uh, workers, freedom riders down in the south. So that began um, an annual event, a jazz concert, which is very well known up in these parts. And every year it benefited some part of the movement, some part of the rights movement, um, labor movement causes. So you know, I want people to walk into the museum and look at a column and say, oh, didn't realize Jackie was a soldier, and fought mm-hmm. in, or didn't realize that when he got to um, the army, his first protest there was why blacks were not admitted to officer's training school. Mm. So he,
5: I mean, he, he was so, in the so, first class. So, so really, what you're what trying to do is, to exp- about- you're trying to expand the Jackie Roosevelt Robinson story. Because yeah, that's, the Jackie narrative. And so, so, first of all, one of the things that I, I'll just add this to your plate. Uh, so, Discovery just merged with Warner Media. Um, I don't know who actually did the movie. It is very difficult to find the movie of Andre Brower portraying Jackie Robinson, the trial of Jackie Robinson. Uh, you ought to hit David Zasloff and say, Y'all should air that movie. I, it came out I, I remember watching it. I've been cuz I have a whole collection of what I call black black DVDs of historical movies. I have been yeah. looking for that one and a whole generation of people have no idea what like that story. of him fighting Jim Crow and literally putting his career in the army on the line fighting that court martial. It was an amazing movie. It came out years ago and a lot of people haven't seen it. And it's hard to even get a VHS copy of it, so it'd be great if they could somehow restore that movie. Uh, and so, uh, go. So that so that would be just wonderful because again, that's a part of the story. Of course, the movie Forty Two, starring Chadwick Boseman. Of course, you also have Jackie Robinson himself playing himself in his own movie as well. Not the greatest movie in the world, but you actually, oh, <laughs> but actually see him. A lot of people oh, honoring. He was go great. ahead. Ruby game was great. Huh? Great, right. she played Rachel. Yeah, absolutely, folks. So many people have honored him today. This is Robinson Kano with the New York Mets. Uh, he actually uh, hit a home run today, first one in 19 months. He's named after Jackie Robinson. But I want—I'm gonna zoom in, folks. These were the special cleats that he wore today. In honor of Jackie Robinson, incredible, first of all, incredible, please. I would love to have a pair of those shoes. Uh, that's just awesome. Uh, m- m- uh, m- uh, 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 maybe Della can get with uh, the folks at Rock Deep, the black uh, athletic shoe company. I'm wearing their kicks right now. We had them on a couple of weeks ago uh, to do a special edition Jackie Robinson shoes to benefit the foundation. Just an idea. Um, did you
2: get, Did you ever get those T-shirts I sent from um, um, Spring Hill?
5: yes i got the t-shirts oh, good. yes okay. i got yes i got the t-shirts okay, okay i got okay, the so t-shirts the
2: rock, d,
5: the rock d sneakers you said rock D. black i'm actually wearing and again oh, you know i got to okay. coordinate so i had to look they sent me these so it went perfectly with the this Dodgers jersey yeah. so y'all got i got your Dodger blue yes yeah. this is the only time i wear non-astro stuff on April 15th. And so, so y'all, so the so the so this this Brooklyn hat, y'all, is when I spoke to the Jackie Robinson Foundation, they, uh, Della and the crew gave me this in a gift bag, and so I'm wearing the hat, and so uh, I appreciate. We gotta get you some more swag. Yeah, we gotta do that. Got questions for our panel? Let's see here: Matt, or Michael, or Kelly? Any of y'all play baseball?
0: Uh, when Poorly. I was a kid,
5: I
4: played baseball, of
5: course. You OK, know? that means that y'all ain't had no talent whatsoever. So I'm going to go ahead, because uh, uh, y'all Larry, was so Larry, y'all Larry, was Larry, so,
0: Larry,
5: was Larry, so Larry, slow. Larry. What do you mean? They were, no, first no. of all, Matt, Matt went, nah, not really. Uh, Michael, could you play? I <laughs> I yes, I could play baseball when I was a kid. Yes. Oh, when well, you were a kid. Did you play like a, you, you big varsity team
4: in like a high school? No, I played varsity, no. no I played oh, OK. Chess. All right, I did. Uh, Kelly, I play, go. I played chess. Uh, what makes you think I don't have a question? Uh, first of all, because you ain't got a first question. Kelly, go. Okay oh, Okay. so, whew. <laughs>
10: okay. so um, my question is um, regarding the museum itself, um, I'm a museum fanatic by you know living in DC all my life and just loving the museum culture here. What is your favorite feature of this museum that you're really excited uh, for people to see and experience?
2: Well, I have a few, and actually I was with, um, I was with um, um, uh, the NMAC people last week, and Lonnie has been just, he's been my guru through this process. I mean, he's just been, Lonnie Bunch has just been my savior. I was with him last week, and um, he asked me a similar question, but I think it would have to be, there are two installations that I'm very excited about. One is um, a wall of 42 screens that will feature testimonials about Jackie from various, I mean, everybody from Spike Lee, I don't know, maybe we can get Roland to get on one of these. So we, we're starting to You know, I'll do it to record. Okay, listen, I, I, that, I'm i going to put you on the list because we've got some, we've got, um, we want to be able to rotate them. So we need even more than 42. So there will be, you know, little kids who may have confronted, you know, the story of Jackie Robinson um, at some point in their lives. So that's a, a, a going to be a great feature. It's going to be very popular. Um, I think, because of the the people, the characters who will talk about it. And then there's another uh, feature that there's a huge scoreboard that um, goes 70 feet long as you walk into the main gallery. And it's interactive. And you will be able to uh, answer questions on small sort of media outlets uh, throughout the museum. In real time, the results of that survey that you will answer will appear up on this huge scoreboard. And it will be juxtaposed with what other people have said on that question. So a popular question among the um, curators of the museum is, you know, let's talk about Colin Kampernick. And let's talk about how Jackie Robinson would not salute the flag back in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. Because he said, I'm a black man in America. And I've got to, you know, make sure I register my um, fundamental complaint about how I am not a first class citizen.
5: His book is called um, I Never Had It Made. And he said, if there's one black person who is not free, not free. I never had okay. it made.
2: Exactly right. And, and so we will, that'll be, that's a feature I'm excited about because we'll get a lot of sort of real-time topical feedback from visitors on, you know, just what they think. You know, what Jackie does for us is all of these issues we're confronting now. My tagline, Roman tell you my tagline in my email is um, one of Jackie's quotes that uh, resonates with me still. Um, which is the most important issue of our time is the issue of first class citizenship for all Americans and he said that in 1947 so i ask you is that relevant <laughs> um he talks about how you know Merlin, your quote but unless everybody has first class citizenship and the opportunity to achieve and 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 i and i have to tell you um we've gotten some pushback on that already we've done some surveys with our focus groups and um there are, going to be
5: some, there are going to be some fireworks at the museum. Well, but let me go ahead and say this before I go to my next question. because he, And here's, I think, and you don't, you don't have to confirm it. I go, let me just say it, Della, because I know you got to raise the money and everything else, but here's the real deal. White America wants to treat Jackie Robinson like some civil rights bobblehead figure. I say the same thing every year about Dr. King. What people want to do is they want to strip the radicalness of Jackie Robinson. Absolutely. And so they want to strip, they want to essentially strip the blackness of Jackie Robinson, the freedom was, fighter oh, of Jackie he Robinson.
2: Nice he was a nice Negro. But.
5: And, and right. And, and, but, but, but see, they want, oh, Jackie Robinson, he didn't fight back. Jackie, well, you Robinson. Will come to the to Jackie Robinson. see another Jack Robinson, so me. but 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 it, it's sort of, but it's the same thing with King. And so when you had a folks, they sitting here giving the quotes. I called out many people. I said, hold up, when doing the Colin Kaepernick deal, I said, hold up, don't forget what Jack. And there was someone that them were even they were even trying to quote Jackie. I'm like, y'all didn't read his book. And so right. that that all. So the, so what y'all are doing for me, I think, which is great, by telling. Like Paul Harvey cool said, the rest of the story, it's yep. like, wait a minute, hold up. And this, and it wasn't just doing baseball. This is a brother who was swinging, who was pissed with Nixon, who was a who, black Jackie Robinson was a Republican, who was like, y'all better be speaking on civil rights. Who no, no,
3: opposed? He was, he
2: was an independent. He was never a registered Republican. That's another misnomer. He was he was an independent, but he sometimes voted Republican right. he initially. To Nixon, because Nixon said to him, listen, we want to put blacks on corporate boards. We want to, you know, talk about economic empowerment. When he went to meet with Kennedy, Kennedy wouldn't even look him in the eye. And Kennedy said to him, I just don't think it's time for the Negro to... And Jackie walked away from his meeting with Kennedy and said he's not ready. And then Nixon said the right thing. Look, slick politician that he was, um, and got Jackie's endorsement. So, but in 64,
5: and... Robinson was very ticked off at Senator Barry Goldwater and campaigned against him.
2: Absolutely. And and rejected Nixon and talked about how wrong he was in assessing his character because he wasn't what he said he was, and he didn't do what he said he was going to do.
5: So but see, but that's the Robinson they don't want to talk about. Michael. Not, just
2: like,
10: <laughs> yep.
5: Yep. Michael? All right. Thank you, Roland. Thank, thanks, Della, for uh,
4: giving us this history lesson. Uh, can you talk about uh, Jackie Robinson, Um Testifying in 1949 at the uh, House exactly. Committee on American Activities yep. against Paul Robeson and what that and, and why he did not want to testify but felt compelled to do so. Can you talk about that, please?
2: Absolutely. And I, I, I was actually going to start talking about that, and I said, "Let me shut up and hear the questions." But and I did an interview with the Black Press, this group called. Um,
1: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
2: Uh, Roland, do you know this group, this consortium of black newspapers? A woman named Liv Dwyer interviewed me yesterday, um, and I was talking to her about the role that the black press played mm-hmm. in Jackie's, um, um, not just his baseball years, but after. And the HUAC testimony was something. I'll give you the story here. So Branch Ricky who was a Republican. Um, Some thought, you know, Rockefeller Republican, meaning, you know, a little less, you know, right wing than some. Um, Look, you know, Branch and Jackie had gotten close at that point. You know, Jackie, Branch was very supportive of Jackie. He, you know, Rachel was the only uh, spouse who was able to travel with Jackie to give him companionship when he was on the road and couldn't stay in the mainstream hotels. But so Branch Rickey said, listen, um, you know, why don't you testify? Because professedly, Jackie said, you know, we got to go to war. We got to go to war. You know, that was his that was his disagreement with Martin Luther King. Every conversation they'd have, they'd start with and we will have letters back and forth between them that are just so eye opening where they say, listen, brother, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. We need the struggle. We need you to do what you're doing. I just disagree. I think sometimes we got to go to war. Jackie wasn't the pacifist that, you know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King were. And he said, sometimes people are ugly and violent. And he says, you know, you got to fight. You know, you you do your duty. OK, but Jackie. So Jackie disagreed with Robeson on the same terms. Robeson was aligning himself with the Communist Party with, you know, the
3: mm-hmm.
2: specifically the Russian Communist Party um, and said, why should black people go to war um, against the communists who haven't done anything to us? And, you know, they sort of got a system that we ought to look at. You know, you all know that debate. And Jackie struggled with that. He said, Okay, I'll testify because he was being true to himself. He said, I think I don't need to. In fact, to quote Jackie, he said, I don't need a bunch of communists and Russians to tell me how to fight racism in my country. I need to fight it in my country, but I don't know what they're going to do to help our struggle here. And I'm not convinced that they would act any differently if there were a substantial population of black folks in Russia. So that was Jackie's position. And he did not want to align with the communists. He said, look, I'm democratic. I'm in the United States now. Jackie spent days and days on that testimony. About five to ten minutes of it talked about his disagreement with Robeson's position. Mind you, after he laid the foundation for how much he respected Paul Robeson, both as an athlete, right. as an artist, as an activist, he said, look, you know, I, I give him his due. He's, I, you know, we, we disagree in methodology. We both are looking for the same thing, which is justice and you know, social justice, equal opportunity, but I don't need to be communist to do that. That was his basic sort of divide with Rosen. The rest of his testimony, the bulk the rest of it, which was oh, which what that piece was, talked about racism in America and how uh, you know, disillusioned he was, how we needed to do something, how it was, um, you know, the whole notion of, you know, in fact, he would say until everybody, every black person is free, nobody is free, black or white because it's, it's a problem. And it's only covered what Jackie said about his disagreement with Robeson. They didn't cover any of the rest of the speech. The overwhelming majority of the speech was about racism in America. In fact, there's an exchange at one point where one of the senators say, um, well, listen, you know, you need to be patient. You know, colored folks, Negroes need to be patient. And Jackie said, what are you talking about, patient? We're going on 200 years here, and you know, you're talking about being patient. Um, So there was this real heated exchange with a couple of the senators. None of it covered in the white press. However, the black press covered it. The Chicago Defender covered it. The the, the Pittsburgh Courier covered it. The Amsterdam News covered it. The Baltimore African-American covered it. Um, And talked about Jackie's testimony about racism. And, yeah, he said disagreed with Brother Paul Robeson. And that was... Really pretty much the case throughout Jackie's experience in baseball and after, where the black press would cover the whole story. Um, You know, the first day Jackie played, April 15, 1947, he was a blip uh, about him having played. You know, at the end of, you know, sports columnists, they would say, well, yeah, Jackie Robinson was up. You know, he was two for three, Um, you know, uh, hit the hit the hit the, um, you know, uh, um, um, game winning. Um, um, RBI at the end of the game. I mean, pretty significant for a black guy who's playing against all this vitriol. And, and the black press, you know, headlines. Jackie Robinson, you know, comes through, has a great game, you know, debut. And so that fueled Jackie. I mean, that was a big help to Jackie. And when I was talking to, you know, the black journalists the other day and NABJ, I've talked to NABJ people. I know you're involved in that, Roland. And, you know, it was it was critical that the black press stepped up and of course, it was the black press through Wendell Smith um, and Sam um, Lacy. Sam Lacy. Yep.
5: The- yep.
2: Yep. Yep. Those guys had been pushing to integrate baseball for decades. I mean, Paul Robeson testified before right. the baseball commissioner about integrating baseball. So the black press was there from the beginning. You guys, you know, you were you were pushing the envelope, and you know, the big issue for Branch Rickey was, okay, let's 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 get black folks into the stadiums but you know you all know this narrative but they got to behave you know don't 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 drink any liquor and come to me don't make a fuss you know if if you hear you know you know epithet's thrown at Jackie relax you know don't don't overreact um you know Jackie can keep his cool so can you i mean the press was just vital i don't know was that responsive oh, yeah <laughs>
5: no that was absolutely because again though, because what what you just described is the narrative that people run with Oh, Jack Robinson sold black people out, and he dissed Paul Robeson. Yep, but, but they exactly. simply, but they, but they, but they had a disagreement. But that's also what happens when, again, when you got black folks who are only operating by white media, or what they also learn. And as we talked about earlier, Michael, they don't read nothing. They don't actually go pull right. the actual testimony from the congressional hearing. Yes. And and Which and,
3: would be and at the museum.
5: The whole testimony and what and, and what and what Della laid out there is also for everybody listening. You also understand why it's vital to have black media. We started this show talking about the great things the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division has been doing that no one has even covered. This is why we matter because guess what? We're not operating by what what by, by what they do. Again, we're not sitting here, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, living by their code. Uh, about what they do uh and this is why we have this uh, mural right here uh y'all can go ahead and take it in our studio uh which is the nation's first black newspaper freedoms journal and right there we wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us and this is precisely why uh we pay homage uh right here uh, in our black star network offices matt your question for Della.
9: Very quick question. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and congratulations to the foundation and the Robinson family for all the amazing things happening. Uh, There was a little infographic that said 7.2 percent of the uh, rosters in the MLB have black players on um, in terms of the percentage of players are 7.2 percent of those are black. So does the foundation have any partnerships or any activities to help bolster those numbers in the MLB of black players?
2: Well, let me just say I'm impressed. You guys are hitting all the hot buttons today, all the things that are very much on the screen, so to speak. Okay, so um, to answer your question as to whether we're involved, look, we have to, to some extent, stay in our lane, which is, you know, we're a college scholarship program. Our goal is to get African-American students, not just through college, but get them to self-actualize, you know, get them to, to, um, you know, be able to take advantage of all that's available to them. So exposing them to their options, And then, of course, the museum, which broadens substantially, you know, our mission broadens what we can do. So here's an example. Have you heard about the Players Alliance? It's a relatively new, it's a two-year-old organization going on its second year that was started by um, Curtis Grandison, uh, CeCe Sabathia, a group of black ball players, uh, baseball players, who in the aftermath of George Floyd, it really did grow out of that, wanted to form, basically form a black uh, baseball players union. So this is separate from the Players Association, which, by the way, now has its, as at its helm the first African-American and the first former baseball player named Tony Clark, wonderful guy, heading it. So Tony, as you alluded to, Roland, you know, Tony's a little compromised. You know, he's got a. He represents it's like Barack Obama. He represents all the baseball players. Uh, but Tony's head is, is very much and he's very active in uh, pushing the envelope for um. Uh, recruiting more black players. So just give you a little more um, flesh on those statistics. So in 19 in in 1981, uh, the percentage of of black ball players was baseball players was 18.7 percent. Okay, so here we are. Um, Let's fast forward another um, almost 30 years. Right. And the Black ball players last year was 7.6. This year, as you pointed out, it dropped to 7.2. So it's going down. It's steadily going down and it's continuing to go down. Um, Is there a concern about that? I mean, I'm not in the heads of of either Rob, uh, the the Commissioner of Baseball. I'm not in the heads of the team owners, which, of course, you know, are a very strong force behind these issues, uh, particularly the wealthy team owners. Um, But There are efforts to try to increase the number of African-American ballplayers. Let me throw into this equation the um, Hispanic, the Latin ballplayers, you know, Latinx, Latin ballplayers who have come up from the Caribbean, come up from Central and South America to play, uh, some of whom I have to always remind people, you know, um, um, you know, Latin is not a Hispanic is not a race. (laughs) So there are black Hispanics and there are other Hispanics. There are white Hispanics. There are those who are of mixed race, however you know, whatever nomenclature we're using today. That's a complicating factor, though, because if Major League Baseball were to count the black ball players who play, uh, who come up from Latin America um, and who are black and, you know, how do we define that? That's a whole nother conversation, y'all. And that's one of the things we want to talk about in the museum. Um, we want to do an installation in the museum that literally counts. It's in the section where we talk about the Negro Leagues because Jackie only played for the Negro Leagues basically for a little over half a season. So, yeah, he was in the Negro Leagues, but he was there, you know, almost nine months, which is, you know, a little less than a season. But we want to count the number of black ball players, baseball players, through history. We literally want to do, in fact, we want to do it in a form of an art installation. It's a piece of artwork, and we've gotten the um, 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 uh, initial specs on it. But it's causing a real issue, because what do you do with the black Hispanic players? Because right now, Major League Baseball, the um, um, uh, Richard Lapchick, what's his, you know, his um, Richard
5: Lapchick yeah, program? Yeah, he was a long art. time at dealing with sports, diversity in sports, a long time at Northeastern. I think he's now moved to another university. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's Florida, Central Florida. So, uh, you know, they count... Black, African, they, they, they use the term African-American ballplayers, and I think they purposely use African-American because they're confused. And then the Latin players, whether they are black or white, are in a separate category. The Asian ballplayers are in another category. And then they even separate that out because they'll do a, um, you know, there's a um, um, South American versus, you know, Central American in the Caribbean. So it's, it's funky. It's, and, and so we're trying to figure out are we literally going to go around and poll? Big Poppy? okay, right? Take Big Poppy, who's going to go into the Hall of Fame on July 24th of this year. You know, he's, you look, he's a black man. You know, and any <laughs> there's no question about it. Um, his English is still a little, you know, still a little broken. But, you know, he really very much um, is and identifies as a black person. But he is not counted in those numbers.
5: Well, one of the things oh, wow. that uh, the L.A. Times has this story out today, uh, it was a column actually, go, uh, go to my uh, iPad please, where uh, th- that, that the manager of the Dodgers, Dave Roberts, is calling out Major League Baseball for reducing opportunities for black players. Uh, he, criticized, uh, he criticized them for cutting the uh, rounds of the draft. He said that is having an adverse impact. They also eliminated 43 minor league teams. uh, That was about a thousand players. Uh, And so, and he said, look, uh, this has an impact uh, on. Uh, player, this is when you're talking about undeveloped, raw, talented African American players. That process takes time; it always has. When the draft is shortened, it just doesn't give those same guys the opportunities. Uh, it also uh, it also doesn't give the organizations the opportunity to see those guys or identify those guys. And so he so and he said it. He said, "You know what? In years past, I wouldn't have spoken out, but now I am." And he said, "I'm I, I'm now concerned myself with more than just uh, managing on the field." And I think. Um, uh, and, and so
2: back to that circle, though, the Players Alliance, Roland, that's one of their goals. One of the goals of this group that got to you, these black ball players, and yep. they raise money every Jackie Robinson day. They ask, and some of the white players contribute, too, by the way, they ask for players to give their their salary for the day, for Jackie Robinson Day, to the Players Allow- uh, Alliance, and, and that money is being used primarily, a good part of their agenda is, to recruit in black communities, to go and do, you know, training, seminars in black communities, baseball seminars. So, you know, that's one of their one of their goals. Um, Major League Baseball has contributed um, $100 million, to, I mean, um, um, uh, $10 million to that effort. Um, so, you know, there are some initiatives like that. Um, Harold Reynolds, you know, obviously one on MLB baseball commentator, is talking about forming um, a, you know, um, find, you know, where are the 42s, which is to go around not to colleges and universities, but to some of the, you know, the farm teams, to go to the neighborhoods where um, some, black, some some of these black players are playing some really good baseball um, and recruiting that way, not only recruiting from college, not only recruiting from high school. So in any event, uh, yep. sort of long-winded answer to your question, there are efforts, yep. you know, Let's see what
5: happens. Well, bottom line is uh, pressure bus pipes, and those things must continue. So, Della, it's always good to see you. We appreciate Thank it. You. If folks want to support the foundation, where, where, where do they go?
2: www.jackierobinson.org. One word, Jackie Robinson. And hope to see you guys at the museum.
5: Well, uh, first of all, we, we will be there. Our cameras will be there. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, Stephen again. Stephen A.
2: Smith is going to do Stephen A. Smith. Um, going to broadcast live from the museum that day. They're going to string it live. ESPN's going to string it live. So well, if you well, can, make it to the opening.
5: Oh, no, no, no. Well, first of all, remember uh, I own this so I can stream it too and uh, I don't have to ask oh. anybody. We can broadcast from there as well. Good. Of course. See? <laughs> That's Absolutely. how we do it. Absolutely. All right, Della. I appreciate okay, it. Guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. Folks, going to a break when we come back. That white Republican in Virginia, mad at Phyllis Randall and the Deltas, ah, oh, he has apologized. Ooh, can't wait to hear my panel and talk about that. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Start Network on Jack Robinson Day. YouTube, folks, y'all hit that uh, like button. We should get a thousand by now. Facebook, hit the like and share button as well. I'll be right back.
10: On the next a balanced life, the Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. After two years of hunkering down, we can all relate to that. Spring, sun, and fun,
8: we may be ready to get out there, but our bodies may not be ready to party. On the next A Balanced Life, we're going to get our mind, body, and spirit on the same page.
2: That's A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie here on the Black Star Network.
4: We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network.
5: Hey, I'm Deon Cole from Black. Phyllis Randall. It looks like you're in the D.C.
6: area, so you might actually have. Yes,
5: I'm, I'm. based in D.C. I live in Loudoun County. I do know Phyllis Randall. So
6: Phyllis likes to show, and this really has me curious again. Like, why would why would Phyllis Randall hire the Miss Chairman of the Loudoun County uh, Board of Supervisors? Does we've already declared that Phyllis Randall's a Delta? It's That's hold us. on. That's one person. Name them. So, Phyllis. Phyllis Randall's is a public person. I'm certainly no. not going to name the private individual. We have research, but I've not personally heard from Phyllis Randall. i am not. This all starts with Phyllis Randall hiring the executive director. No, it end- doesn't.
5: No, first of all, <laughs> Phil, hold on. I, 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 I. Phyllis Randall did not embezzle anything. No, she did not, but her executive director did. I don't. I wanna, I, but I want to make sure you're on record by saying that. Well, that was Scott P- uh, Pio, who is the um, uh, chair of the Loudoun County Republican Party. Uh, had him on the show a couple days ago, got a little contentious there. We had Phyllis Randall, of course, who is a county supervisor on yesterday, uh, ripping it to him. So, well, looks like Scott has gotten an earful from a whole bunch of y'all. So uh, a couple of hours ago, he dropped this apology on social media. Uh, over the last few days, I have reflected and talk to many Virginians about my recent insensitive remarks, I apologize for my comments and regret that they did not truly represent what I or my party truly believe. Our new Lieutenant Governor and Attorney General, both Republicans, Represent the first black woman and first Hispanic person elected statewide in Virginia. America's a wonderful melting pot of ethnicities and cultures, and I'm grateful that Loudoun County in Virginia are a beautiful reflection of that liberty and diversity. It's amazing, Kelly. When you catch that heat, it's on your ass. I mean,
10: of all the sororities, you pick the largest black one to come after. I mean. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're the largest one. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I... That was just dumb. That was just really, really dumb. It's the caucasity for me. I mean, it, it was abundantly clear that he knows nothing about Divine Nine organizations, Black sororities and fraternities, or even the culture in which they, they came to be. Um, I'm not Greek personally, but going to an HBCU and having God knows how many friends, family, aunts, uncles who are in these respective organizations, I can't imagine disparaging them on the level that this man did with with gumption. That, that was the thing. Again, it, the caucasity was in abundance that day, and it seems like a pretty shallow apology to me, but if they take it, you like it, I love it.
5: Uh, and again, bomb, bomb line is yes, he apologized, uh, but be very careful, Matt. What situation you step into, uh, because you can you 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 can learn pretty fast. And I tried to warn him. <laughs> I try I, I told him, hey Scott, I don't know if you want this heat player, <coughs> so you might you you might want to back up. But again, hashtag. We tried to tell you. And then he
9: came on the show and doubled down. It looked like right. And people outside of the show got after him. So I don't have anything to add beyond, you know, I'm a Howard man and I've seen Deltas, obviously Alpha Chapter Deltas, I mean, do such amazing things. I worked for a Delta member of Congress when I was in college. So I I don't know what he was thinking, but I'm glad he got uh, that clap back because as Kelly said, the caucasity of it is just absurd. So I'm glad that they came at him.
5: See, I I think what happened, uh, Michael, uh, I think he had some black Republicans who said, "Say, dog, what you doing? You do not want these folks bringing added heat to the polls, man. Leave them people alone. They're gonna be whooping some behind in the midterms."
4: Well, he he should have talked to those black Republicans before he put that dumbass tweet out. Okay, so I watched uh, on your YouTube channel, Roland. I watched about 20 minutes of that interview. I had to stop because I said, "This is just," I said, "He's just ridiculous." So. When, when he said that Vice President Kamala Harris was the Delta, I said, that's your ass right there. They're coming at me. So, <laughs> that's, uh, when So when he said that, I said, oh, you know nothing about the Divine Nine. You know nothing about Vice President Kamala Harris. You, see, this is all all you dumbass uh, white Republicans. You need to make look, look at this example, and this is what happens when you mess with black women, okay? And you have no clue what you're talking about. So I knew it was going to happen. I I knew it was going to happen, and uh, I'm glad. And they need to make sure uh, they uh, vote uh, as many Republicans out of office in 2022 as we can.
5: You know, and I had some people, they were like, man, I don't know why you got this guy on this show. But but I I told y'all, see, sometimes you got to put folks on front street and you got to teach their ass a lesson. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, when you were a kid and... You know, you thought you could say some certain stuff to your daddy or your mama. And your daddy or your mama were like, all right. It's like that. Teach your ass a lesson. And then next thing you know, you were involved in some long intensive labor because uh, you decided to get smart. Well, that's my whole deal. I'm going I'm to sit here and just like smack in your ass around. Uh, and, and, and make you look foolish because you didn't decide to call somebody. Ahead of time. First of all, y'all, pull a photo up. First, he, here's how dumb he was. He, mm-hmm. Y'all remember, he was whining about... he was. It was a tweet. He was whining about all of these Deltas who took a photo in front of the White House. Keisha Lance, Bott- Keisha Lance Bottoms, she put the tweet out with regards uh, she t- took the tweet out with regards to um, uh, the photo. She said, "Calling all Deltas to the floor." You know, and these folks sitting here, and again, he's sitting here all hot and bothered. And I'm like, "Man, wh- what is wrong with you, dog? Y'all, see, y'all look slow. I'm moving fast. Here we go. Boom. Hit the photo. Okay, uh, here it is. Now, here's the deal. You got that many black women in the photo. Why you gonna try to question them black women? Scott, mm-hmm. leave them the hell alone. It's too many of them. And it, that's, that's, a small, that's a small little gathering right there. But when you don't know nothing about black culture, and he didn't know nothing about, oh, they said they run. This fool don't even know what the phrase, we running this, means. Yeah, run the yard. Yeah. I mean, right. Exactly. I mean, now, Michael, you familiar when Alpha say we run in the yard. I know y'all. Uh,
4: no, not a, not at my not not at Wayne State. They weren't. When yeah, I was right. There. No,
5: yeah, okay. Right. Shanti Empire. it's we always somebody who say, "When I was there, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, but, right." But, but he didn't. He don't, He didn't know the language. He talked about they throwing a signs up the cut. I like boy, like like they were gang symbols.
4: <laughs> like they were gang symbols. But Roland, really, see, this is something deeper. This deals with the fear of the browning of America by many uh, conservatives, many white people, especially some white men, not all of them, okay? The the 2020 census, the white population dropped below... 50% ...for the first time since 1790, okay? And they see African Americans rising politically, and many of them feel threatened by this, okay? So we need to really understand what he was really exhibiting When he's calling them out. He's he's a he's he feels threatened by powerful African Americans, especially African American women, who are organizing politically.
5: That's it. I mean that but I keep telling folk they need to understand what's going on here Mm -hmm. is white fear. Is yeah. driving them crazy, Kelly. And that's why, because in one of his tweets, he mentioned, are they the organization behind the push for equity and CRT in our schools? <laughs> they, 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 they can't handle this.
10: I, I mean, again,
5: like, I just...
10: It, he was just dumb. Like, I keep going over it and seeing the clips and looking at the picture, and I'm just like, Just one of those women. If you came after just one of those women, like, all hell would have broken loose. But you came after the whole picture of women. Like, do you know how much power these women hold? Like, Delta Sigma Theta notwithstanding, who they are, congresswomen, executive directors, just connected on the Hill. Like, he's glad... He better be glad he got a job. You know what I'm saying? Like, they they got some power, and not because of some gang stuff and whatever he thought. It's because they work to get to where they are, and they know the system, and they also know how to navigate in that system. And when they see something like this man, who, frankly, doesn't belong in the system, who is a detriment to the system, I think they gave him grace by not rooting him out. Like,
5: A lot of grace. So Um, just after just one, like, mm. I'm trying, hey, Matt, I keep keep telling these people, what we're dealing with, we're dealing with people, because remember, he was talking about power and and, and they saying they're running this and running that. That's the fear. It is the fear Mm -hmm. of African-Americans assuming power, African-Americans now having a say in this republic.
9: And it's not only the fear, it's the fear mixed with indignation. Because if you look at that tweet, he said, Skull and Bones has lost its power. So it's not only a fear of Black people having power, it's an anger about losing power relative to Black people's power increasing. Um, I thought that was really important, that he noted that. Skull and Bones has lost their power. And then he juxtaposes that to Delta Sigma Theta as the organization that supplanted Skull and Bones. So I think you're exactly right with that fear, but I think it's in addition to the indignation for watching
5: the, the, the grasp on that power slip away. Hey, folks, I'm telling y'all, uh, we we have not uh, we have not taken any uh, pre-orders, but this is dropping in September. And y'all, I picked this cover photo for a reason. Pull it up. These are all those white folks who were out in front of, no, pull up on my, on my television, please, thank you, who were out in front of the Capitol with a Trump signs and a Trump flags. And that's why the book is called White Fear. How the Browning of America is making white folks lose their minds. That's Mm -hmm. dropping in September. And that's what this whole thing was about, this complaining about the power of these deltas. That's what's driving it. All right, y'all. Going to a break. We come back. We're going to talk education matters right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, don't forget, the folks, to support us what we do. Download the Black Star Network app, all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, uh, Roku, Amazon Fire, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, you also, of course, can join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support what, what we do. Uh, you know that's, that's critically important for us, folks. Uh, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., Two zero zero three seven zero one nine six. And of course, Cash App is dollar sign RM unfiltered. Uh, we have PayPal is our Martin unfiltered. Uh, Benmo is uh, RM unfiltered. And Zale is rolling at rollingSmartin.com, rolling at And we want to thank all of y'all because yesterday, boom, we hit eight hundred and fifty thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. We want that many people who are also downloading the Blackstar Network app, because guess what? We own and control that platform. We don't own and control YouTube. So we appreciate y'all subscribing uh, to our YouTube channel. 850,000, thank you so very much. But we want to hit that same number on the Blackstar Network app. I'll be right back. When did you know that this is what I wanted to do? I think right after high school, because in high school I was in all the plays. Well, I was always funny, mm. but I didn't know nobody would pay me for it, you know? And then I saw Eddie Murphy. This was like 84 when I saw Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy was the
11: hottest thing in the whole wide world, not just comedy, but anyway. He saved Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't starred in that, that show would be gone. He, uh, he had done 48 hours trading places, his first Beverly Hills cop, could wear the hell out of a red leather suit, and he wasn't but 23 years
5: old. He was rich enough to pee cream. And he got all that telling jokes. I said, shit, I've been funny my whole life. I didn't know people give you money like that. So I went and got some Red Fox albums. I went down to my mama's basement, where I was living anyway, and I stood in that mirror and played them albums and them jokes until I could tell them like they were mad. Wow. And that started me doing jokes. And then I went and did Comedy in the Street. I was standing on State Street, tell jokes, and pass my hat, and white
11: folks would come up and just hand me money. And I liked it.
5: is Judge Matthews. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Mac Wiles, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Of course, every Friday uh, we focus on the issue of education, critically important to our audience and so always providing you uh, with uh, useful guests and information uh, when it comes to helping your children uh, become better educated, but also the public policy issues that also impact education uh, on the uh, local, state, and federal level as well. Last week, of course, we talked about the impact of President Biden and their efforts to cut uh, funding for charter schools. Now, now, I'll talk about how rap is being used to actually help our students learn math. A math teacher in my native state of Texas found a different approach to help his students who are struggling to grasp tough math concepts. He utilizes rap music. Check out Thomas
0: Mayfield. <laughs>
11: Westside coming through, Rip and call more math, fifth grade is the truth, learning decimal place values is super easy, so cold with my math, you can call me breezy, classic track from debate, I can teach all day, listen close, don't straight. I write numbers three ways, word form, standard form, and expanding notation, sing and lay out if you're ready to impress the nation, now let's break this thing down, let's start with the 10s, like a dime to a dollar, it's one out of 10, then we move
3: to the 100s, one point
5: teachers at a title one school in fort worth he said he immediately saw results with his new method he of course the rapid educator joins us right now so when you say you saw immediate results how so thomas can you hear me can you hear me
1: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.
5: When you say yourself, immediate results, how so? Um, you know, I'm, I'm teaching in Title I schools,
11: um, single-parent homes, and it's a struggle sometimes, but kids are able to be receptive if they have someone that is transparent and they have someone they care about and, and understand why they're coming to them the way that they are. And when I say immediate results, I'm talking about kids are receptive to music more than anything else. Um, It's easy to um, convey a skill or teach a skill to a student when you're using rap music. And I like to sort of bring in other contents like literacy, talking about prefixes and syllables when we write different lyrics and whatnot uh, with our tempos and our beats per measure. So it all fits
5: in there, um, and and it it works for all the good. Um, were other, were the students surprised, and when did you start doing this? When did you first start? Um,
11: 2007, I worked in five ISD, four independent School District at M.I. Logan Elementary, and, um, I, I decided to make a CD called Milk and Cookies, and I felt like, okay, let me go ahead and sort of take some rap songs that the current, take out the lingo, you know, the inappropriate lingo, and <laughs> appropriate vocabulary words and different phrases that still sound sort of cool to a to a fourth or fifth grader. And it just took off, man. Um um there that clip right there is some Como elementary leadership academy at Como to Mr. and Mrs. Valencia Rhines and Mr. Farr. Um our kids are awesome and and it just it just took off. They 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 gravitated to it. They used it. I can see the kids doing assignments, starting to memorize and speak or, or rap the, you know, the songs we had just previously learned while they're doing tests, and it's, 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 it's resonating with them.
5: Now, um, did you have any uh, fellow educators who said, Thomas, really, bro, this ain't it? Did you, uh, are you free? Did you hear the question, Thomas? Say it again for me, Roland. I said, uh, did you have any fellow educators who say, Thomas, this ain't it?
11: Yeah, I had a couple, um, you know, I have criticism every now and then, and, um, you have to band together with people that have that comfortability and wanting to reach all students and, then you know, d- discover that we can, we can tap into everybody's skill, everybody's talent. And, um, a couple of colleagues, I sort of came up with that, that idea as far as the culturally responsive practices we want to implement in our schools, um, Sir Princeton Harden, um, my guy, Mr. Jeffrey Vinson, we all are sort of on the same wave. And um, you know, you just have to make sure that you show results. I think a lot of teachers are reluctant to um change their mindset because they are often not able to see results, but results pay. I mean, and, and our test scores, um, uh, wherever wherever school, you know, I, I've been at, um, Sunrise, um, my Logan, even Como, um, they they've just taken off.
5: Um I'm gonna go to questions uh, in a second. Uh, maybe if one of my teachers had done this, because I, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about in math class. I, I I had no damn idea. Look, and I was straight, look, I told my teachers, let me explain something to y'all. I said, I don't see Pythagoras' Theorem or none of that in my future. I said, but I can count money. I said, so that I can negotiate. I did. Y'all think I'm lying. I was straight up honest. I didn't know what the hell they were talking about in that math class. Algebra, geometry made no sense to me, but I knew how to count money. Uh, Matt, question.
9: (laughs) Well, first, first, brother, I appreciate what you're doing on the other side of the state. I'm at the bottom of Texas, but uh, I appreciate your efforts. Um, And I wanted to ask, I know Tarrant County and and Fort Worth are pretty conservative and right now kind of issues with CRT with uh, critical race theory are really a big issue as it relates to schools in particular. So have you had the school district and parents pushing back on it, trying to kind of make a, a marriage between critical race theory and RAP, what's being taught? Have you dealt with any issues related to that?
11: Not not as far as RAP is concerned. Um, the critical race theory aspect is so sort of like with um, different factual information, like um, you talk about the Trail of Tears, you talk about um, the racism that occurred in 19- ...1960s, around that time, um, you might push back if you give your opinions, but if you're stating factual information and you're using music and you have a bond with your your families and your communities, that's the first thing you have to develop so that they know that you're doing it for the betterment of the students and making them, you know, proud about what they're learning and, and, and excelling in school. So I think we have that bond and that, com- that communication, that open line of communication. Um, there's not really a pushback. And I haven't experienced a lot of pushback from CRT from that aspect at all. Good.
5: Thank you. All right then, Um, Michael, uh, you're next. I I, I don't. And Michael, just uh, I I don't think he's a Sigma. I just want to let you know that I don't. I don't don't think so.
4: (laughs) Oh, it's okay, Roland.
5: It's all right. Look at look at his face. He like he like. Oh, absolutely not. Go. He like. Oh, (laughs) hell to the no. (laughs) (laughs)
4: It's all right. It's all good, Roland. Hey, Thomas, this is something great that you're doing, and uh, you know our children really love music and gravitate to it. So have, um, just curious, have any of the other teachers maybe started doing the same thing, maybe for science, maybe for other subjects? Because you can use this to teach different subjects as well if you have a creative teacher. Yeah, man, hey, shout out to my
11: guy, Sir Princeton Harden, repping the Ron Clark Academy, Atlanta GA. Uh, One of the best science teachers in America, hands down. Um, He's a product of Fort Worth, Um, great guy cool spirit. He's very current, very trendy. And we have to realize that, you know, a lot of districts are, are looking at the charter schools and, hey, the charter schools are taking kids this and that. But what are we doing to keep our kids? You know, we have to think outside right. the box. And I think that getting, getting um, to where we can provide training for teachers to be more comfortable and, and you know, because everybody's not going to step in and do a 16-bar a melody, you know. So <laughs> right. I, I get it. Right. But at the same time, being comfortable and giving yourself a shot for the kids, and, and again, the, the forefront should be for the kids. I mean, it shouldn't be a problem, and, and like I say, it's, it's, it's generated different buzz across the nation. Um, I've been doing this since 07. Shout out to the ladies in my room. Looked
5: look like uh, he froze again for a second. Hopefully, we'll yeah. get, him, uh, get him right back. Uh, Thomas, you back? Ooh. Yes, sir, I'm here. I'm here. All right, then, well, your signal's going in and out there. Uh, Kelly, your question for Thomas.
10: Sure. Um, as someone who grew up around music, this is really exciting to me. Um what um it how many, if any, uh rappers are you most inspired by that prompts you to make the music? Um and secondly, is there an album coming soon? Like how how big and how far do you want this to go?
11: Um, yes, uh, great questions. Um, um I'm very inspired by conscious rap. Um J. Cole, shout out to K Dot, Kendra Lamar of course, Common, and um, also um, new rap, like, um, you know, with Drake and and some of the trendier melodies like Money Back, Yo, I listen listen to all that. You know, I'm transparent with my kids and I let them know that, hey, listening to rap and putting it into a certain type of lyrical format is important, you know, we don't bring the inappropriate side into the classroom, but just them hearing the beat or the production, it just gets them riled up and they, they get engaged, more engaged in learning. And um, yes, in, in, in the fall, I'm planning on doing a short film. I want to produce and um, write the entire soundtrack. I'm a writer outside of school, a songwriter as well. And as far as the album, not right now, but um, maybe in the future in the springtime of 23 Woods and something like that.
5: <laughs> well, uh, I'll end it with this here. You may not, uh, you may not know this, But um, what you're doing is very similar to uh, a sister who is the genesis, if you will, of Mm -hmm. Kipp, the Charter School Network. Mm -hmm. Name was Harriet Ball. Harriet Ball. uh, She she passed away 11 years ago of a heart attack at the age of 64. But it was it was Harriet Ball who was using music to teach her students. And one of the founders uh, was a fellow teacher. He was across the hallway. Uh, The co-founders, Dave Levin and Mike Feinberg, literally walked across the hallway and was trying to understand why these students uh, were just singing and laughing and having fun. And as you see, this is the Washington Post story. She gave them a host of original songs, chants, and games to encourage learning. They took the name of their network from her most popular chant, uh, which was you gotta read, baby read, you gotta read, baby read, and it goes the more you read, the more you know, because knowledge is power, power is money, and I want it. Again, so the the education model of Kip is all built on the rhythm being used by a black teacher in her classroom. And so what you're doing uh, is very is very similar to what she did. And that's why KIPP today is one of the largest charter school networks in the country. It's because of, again, them being inspired by what that sister did. So uh, uh, Thomas, uh, final comment. I think, Thomas, Thomas you still there? You froze again. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I lost Go ahead. Your final comment.
11: And like you said, um, Roland, um, you know, the charter schools—they have a lot of things that they can do outside of the um, the regular spectrum. And I, I agree. I like a lot of charter school curriculum. Um, I love my district's curriculum, but I think again, um, just getting training for teachers is probably, probably the the first and most important thing that we need to implement or implement um, within this next upcoming school year. And again, I'm, I'm grateful for being on this show. I'm doing for the kids. Not for the notoriety, I fund these videos and these songs and the production and the, um, the engineering and the studio time myself. And I just, I'm just really grateful to have touched so many lives um, that I've taught and former students, current students, and even future students. So again, thank you. And you know, whenever you get a chance Roland, just try to visit 421 North Albany Street if you
5: can. Well, guess what? Uh, I spent a little time uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, I, I know Fort Worth quite well. I was a city hall reporter at the Fort Worth Uh, Star-Telegram. And so when you you mentioned Como, uh, I absolutely uh, am familiar with that area, uh, covering many of the folks there. Uh, I was there uh, last year. Deborah Peoples was running for mayor. We had a town hall. Uh, So we were there for her as well. Uh, And so so trust me, uh, I I know a little bit something about uh, about Fort Partyworth. Fort Partyworth. So uh, absolutely appreciate it uh, Thomas, uh, congratulations. Uh, keep doing what you do. Uh, there are a lot of, a lot of people, man, who are leaving the classroom. Uh, we've done the stories, especially a lot of black men, black male teachers, uh, who are leaving the classroom. Uh, and so it's great to see, uh, that you're doing, and hopefully, uh, the Fort Worth Independent School District will recognize what you're doing. Last question I do have, you talked about, you saw the increased scores as a result of what you've done. Are other people now coming to you for rap tips?
11: Oh yeah, I did a jingle campaign last summer where we went virtual um, as a implementation of um, you know no in-person learning, and I had over 75 teachers from across the nation to solicit journal- um, jingles to start off their virtual classes. That was great. So it's good to see people are catching on and using it. So again, I appreciate the I appreciate the platform, man. Um, I'm hoping that our teacher is looking at this right now and and definitely thinking about doing some different things out the box to reach his or her students. So again, I appreciate
5: you. Uh, we surely appreciate that. Uh, and, Michael, see what happened, how alphas do?
4: Well,
11: uh,
5: <laughs> for, for, for sigmas, our signal don't, uh, freeze up. Our
4: internet doesn't freeze up. So, it, you know, it's all good. <laughs> it's... Oh! That
5: does happen
0: to sigmas. No. But,
5: oh! Uh, oh! <laughs> you want to try to go there? Congratulations! You're the one that brought up... You're the one that brought up sigmas
4: and alphas. Yeah, what, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, you just, just, I'm just... I wasn't I'm just, even just, talking about that, bro. I, I'm just, you well, brought that up.
5: Because there are some things that are self-evident. Oh, okay. All right. I congratulate the brother on what he's doing. Of course. Remember... We all, we all do great things, regardless uh, of... No, but some of us do greater things. <laughs> <laughs> always remember who's your Greek daddy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thomas, thanks a well, bunch. I let's, appreciate let's it. Remember, all this starts in Africa. <laughs> I appreciate
4: and it the Nile well, Say it again, Michael. Just remember, all this starts in Africa in the Nile Valley region. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, right.
5: uh-huh. Right. That, that, that's... That, that That comes from ancient Kement of the Nile Valley region. Yeah, okay, right. all right. Yeah, but you know who ran that yard at Wayne State, 06. No. Nah. All right, no, y'all, that's it. Was it. it was Sigmunds. Uh, don't, don't even try, please. You don't even run their own households. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, Michael. Mike... <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, Michael, Matt. See, Matt, like, I'm just going to leave it, leave him alone. Matt, like, I ain't crazy. I'm just going to leave him alone. <laughs> smart man, smart man. All right, y'all, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. It's been uh, a fabulous week. want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, p- First of all, YouTube. Y'all really tripping, okay? Why am I having to tell y'all to hit the damn like button, okay? It, it should be automatic that we hit a thousand likes every single day. Don't y'all understand that it has an impact on the algorithm? So right now um, we got eight hundred ninety-three likes. That don't make no sense. We've been on for two hours and nineteen minutes, and we got Aaron. So I'm about to do the uh, last part of the show. Uh, y'all better hit a thousand before I get done. So hit the like button right now, damn it. All right, folks, download the Black Star Network app. We want to hit 50,000 downloads by May 1st. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung, Smart TV as well. If you want to support us in what we do, please give to the Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show for what we do. And so that's critically important, y'all. Uh, and so uh, please, Cash App, Dallasine, RM, unfiltered, PayPal's are Martin, unfiltered, Venmo is RM, unfiltered, Zelle is rolling at rollingmrmartin.com, rolling martin unfiltered.com. Coming up next, okay? After we finish the show, the seventh part of our Ghana docu series, 16, 19, to 2019, the year of return. You don't want to miss that. The f- previous six have been fabulous. Trust me, people are learning so much. I hope y'all absolutely tune in uh, to watch that. We end the show every single Friday uh, by showing uh, all of our Brenda Funk fan club members about to do that. Birmingham, I'm going to see y'all tomorrow. I'm coming to town. The USFL launches this weekend Kevin Sumlin, for, Kevin Sumlin, former head coach of Texas A&M, is coaching the Houston franchise, the Houston Gamblers. I told Coach, I'm going to come there and support you. They're playing all the games in Birmingham in their first year, so I'll be at the game on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. And so y'all look for that. Fisk, I'll be on your campus, my final lecture as a scholar in residence, and we're going to be broadcasting the show live from Fisk, on Monday so looking forward to that as well and we're gonna have our panel on the scene Reverend Jeff Carr and others will be right there joining me at Fisk on this this campus uh, for Monday's show. So a lot of things going on, and so we appreciate all that y'all do. Folks, that's it. Uh, I will see y'all tomorrow. Celebrate Jackie Robinson Day. But remember, all of Jackie Roosevelt Robinson, not just the baseball part. Get his book, I Never Had It Made. It's a phenomenal read. Trust me, you'll learn a lot more. And yeah, he was right with Colin Kaepernick when it came came to that flag and the Pledge of Allegiance. He was real clear. Read the book, then you'll know. I'm gonna see y'all guys on Monday. How?
9: It's 18 plus.